0: The only way we'll learn how to all these people spontaneously combust is through an autopsy. Let's get to it. Uh,
1: sir, I figured some guys who know a lot about this might be handy, so I called Spinal Tap.
0: You did call them, right? All I see is the back of a stage. Oh, darn. They got lost again.
2: I tried calling Drew Barrymore, but she just told me to take it up with Stephen King.
3: I guess I'll make an incision. Anywhere is fine. It all looks the same after getting burnt to a crisp. Now that's
0: funny. I didn't expect it to be this tough. My scalpel broke.
2: I got some nitro. Let's run away and see what we find.
1: It's a blob? No, wait, that's a baby, and it's talking to me. Uh, okay. Turn around, look at my fanny, look at my fanny, look at my fanny. Look at the future! Look at the future, Alright,
3: that's it. I'm done. Time to clock out. Right now.
1: on your swords ready your spells you're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console rpgs from way back when right up through yesteryear to get you through this maze that's dripping with danger we've gathered the best men and women from rpgamer to watch your back some of you have never entered this area before you're in for quite a fight for others this return visit can only be described as an rpg backtrack Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 62, Biohazard Level 4. I am here with a grand slew of favorite people, Steppies from RPG Gamer, whatever we're calling it these days, to talk about a trio of Parasite Eve games, Parasite Eve, Parasite Eve 2, and maybe even a little bit talk about our favorite game of all, The Third Birthday. But let me not rush forward too quickly. Let me introduce our panel of guests and co-hosts first, Mr. Mike Mickey. You
4: politicians are big professionals only to catch the voters that remain amateurs.
1: Mm. And all-time favorite, Mr. Nathan Schlothen.
0: Remember, always carry a shotgun and make sure it's loaded.
1: Crammed right in the middle of all of us, Miss Sam Schmore.
2: I don't like this... I moved on from marshmallow to shmore.
1: See, it's progressing. It's going in a direction.
2: You imply that I have a cracker and a chocolatey center Mm. stuffed with marshmallows and it
1: disturbs me. Chocolatey center. (laughs) Are you no longer comfortable with this
2: line of conversation, Sam? See, if foul sorceress, you know, handles this conversation while when he listens to this. (laughs) He will be very upset with you.
1: <laughs> Ooh, that would be a shame <laughs> He should be You're so
2: charming he though. should be on too that way I can make fun of his name he <laughs> didn't play these games sadly I'm the sucker who did well he we could'
1: have played him real fast especially that last one it's pretty short <laughs> get it short <laughs> uh, and gosh I can't remember the last as has this person been on our show before, Mike? Yes, he has. Okay, I got. It's sh- been a while, though. I got a short-term memory. I got to look up in Wikipedia to see when the last show was, Mister uh, Mister Mike Tidwell, or Mikel yeah, Tidwell. Was... Is it Mikel? you prefer Mikel. Michael. Michael. Michael Tidwell. All right, Michael Tidwell. Yeah,
3: i think I'm the one who's not comfortable with this conversation anymore.
1: You know, I should make fun of your name. That's why you're feeling uncomfortable, Mister Mike Tidwinky. What? What, hey. is the,
3: what is the gym school? No, Mr. Like...
1: Michael Deepwell Fair, do you feel cool. better? Now you feel now you feel included Because I make fun of everybody else's name
3: Oh yeah, that was what I was missing in my life Thanks
2: Yay
1: Alrighty
2: so, It's the only joy you get, huh Phil? It is, really <laughs>
1: Because most of the time, I don't know a whole lot of games that we're talking about, so I have to get my kicks in somewhere. But tonight, I have plenty to say, because I am an expert in two of the three games. Though the third one (laughs) left me a little
2: speechless. (laughs) You're really just layering this on my torment, aren't you?
1: (laughs) Oh, boy, a new year. I got a birthday coming up soon. (laughs) Oh... (laughs) Alright, anyways... uh, before I gaggle myself to death, we'll be right back after these commercial messages! Side Eve today, developed by Squaresoft, published by Square, uh, EA here in North America, released on the PlayStation platform in North America, September 9th, 1998, and re-released on the PlayStation Network not too long ago, March 15th, 2011. This is a single-player action RPG, rated M for Mature. Mature Monsters? I think it's rated M for Monsters, because the Monsters are pretty sick. I don't really think there was, like, people taking off their clothes or anything, but there is that one steamy shower one? scene. Yeah,
0: Yeah. well, there's actually the final thought. There's some nudity, various things and towards the end, but that's about it. Yeah. You no know, blood at all.
1: Did y'all hear something? No.
2: There's a guy hidden in the distance. Yeah.
1: Mike, come back into the light. <laughs>
4: um, I have no idea what that was, and you'll never know either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this it's is been,
4: it must have been my mitochondria manifesting in an evil way.
1: So this is a horror action uh, RPG developed by SquareSoft. Um this uh, is a little bit unusual because it's actually a sequel to a novel, uh Parasite Eve written by a certain uh Hideki Sana. Hideki
2: Hideki Sana. There you go.
1: But I have actually
2: read the novel, so I could tell you lots about it. Oh, goody. Why don't we start off by talking about the novel that inspired the series? Well,
0: well the first backstory off... given oh, to the games oh. is, is the... This, I'm actually kind of curious myself about it. because the little tidbits that it reference in the original Parasite Eve make it sound really weird. So well, is, is it really that weird in the actual reading?
2: Okay. Well, here's the thing. First off, my personal preference, Parasite Eve is one of the most boring novels I've ever read.
1: Get out!
2: other than the last 40 pages where well let's put it this way so the whole story supposes that mitochondria is inherited through a female line of descent so we know that that's kind of the same to the game um so what happened is that Eve inherited a life form in a young woman in the story by the name of Kiyomi Nagishima and at the beginning of the book she's Eve is already inside of Kiyomi's body Kiyomi crashes her car Um, But she survives it, but is completely brain dead. So this mitochondria keeps um, evolving. And as it goes on, Kiyomi's kidneys are transplanted into a different person by the name of uh, Mariko uh, Anzai. So she's this young teenage girl who uh, her kidneys were failing. So they thought, well, hey, we'll just transfer her kidneys into that body. Well, she goes nuts, Right. The, the, yeah, the mitochondria takes over um, she starts to feel as though she's no longer herself meanwhile uh, Kiyomi her liver cells um, are producing more and more mitochondria and the lab technicians are wondering like why they keep sporadically evolving um, so they want to give Eva a permanent body so what they do is they, they cultivate Kiyomi's body um, except that Eve takes possession of a completely different person within the the laboratory, and then there's this whole outbreak of Eve just attacking all the different bodies and whatnot. The experiment itself is like of how your sperm cells kind of just, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Like They describe it as almost like how sperm transfers into an egg, the way that mitochondria works, yet it's not really sexual. It's a very bizarre novel, and in a lot of ways, I don't think the translation makes a ton of sense at times. So, you know, going back and, and revisiting the novel recently, like, I was still sitting there and going, I don't understand how a lot of this still works, and the novel doesn't do a good job of explaining how it all works. So pretty much at the end of the story, everybody dies, and Eve's cells survive, and then they are found by... I think it's like a military group of some sort, or a scientific military op group, and they destroy the cells. Now, obviously, the video game doesn't use any of that. (laughs) So um, there's definitely a lot of differences.
4: Within your cells, there are many parts, but only the mitochondria have the desire to become separate of all the other parts of the cells and can actually live outside of the cells and will take over and just destroy everything because... Who knew the mitochondria in your cells are power-seeking, dominating things since the dawn of time?
2: Well, I forgot to mention, actually, that one kind of, like, the best part of the novel, I did say that the last 40 pages are the best, and the reason why is that Eve actually takes over a baby, and then there's a killer baby, <laughs> and the killer baby goes around, and it, it switches between a male and a female form, and then just completely starts attacking everything, and so you read, like, this novel, and it's like, okay, yeah, like, it's the mitochondria is jumping around, whoop-dee-doo, and then you get to the final scene, it's just like, killer baby kills everybody and then dies, and then has telekinetic <laughs> powers for some reason. Is this um, fear? S- Hmm?
3: I think it's a sphere, right?
2: Uh, in the book?
3: No, I meant, this no. sounds like the same premise as fear.
2: <laughs> yes, it does. Um... Yeah, it, it was just a really weird book. I mean, I've read a lot of Japanese novels. Um, my Part of my degree is in Japanese literature. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how they managed to make a game out of this. Like, the premise, parts of the premise work with the game, but then yeah, a just lot of it...
4: They made a game out of it. They ignored almost everything except the central concept and made everything new.
2: But what about right? the killer baby? The killer baby would have been awesome!
0: The Killer Baby is the final boss of Parasite Eve.
2: Yeah, I well, I haven't gotten to the final boss. I I have a confession in that I never finished the first Parasite Eve game because I had it completely stolen from my collection, and I was a ah. final like the final area.
0: Yeah. So, sorry, but well, yeah, the Killer Baby. No, that's okay. It. The I boss.
2: I'm. It makes me happy to hear that it's a Killer Baby, because then at least that's one more connection to the novel.
4: <laughs> but it grows um, up. It becomes a Killer. Um. Uh, Thing that is no longer a baby. Yeah. I go with
2: things. Well, that's disappointing. I don't know, I don't know what you,
4: well, you you've killed the baby, and the baby is easy, and then it gets harder, but I, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. A little bit.
2: I'm, like, emo-facing right now, because I would have just wanted a final boss that was a killer baby. Baby. You know what? Disappointment. Now I don't want to finish Parasite Eve. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> that's okay. We have others getting... <laughs> <again. laughs> Go ahead. Well, let's face
4: it. You can get there and fight the baby, and the baby will go down easily, and then you can put it down and say, I'm happy because I just had an easy final boss fight because you turned it off before it got hard.
2: <laughs> we'll see. It's one I want to actually finish. Parasite Eve 2 that's another story. <laughs> but I digress. Um... But we should really explain what the real story is. I mean, the novel is just one version, but the game has a completely different different plot well, that it
4: uh, works with. Yes, it, it, it begins with uh, Aya Brea going on a date with somebody in the NYPD, and she's also an NYPD officer, going to Carnegie Hall, where some woman named Melissa turns to Eve on the stage, and everyone except Aya, and her boyfriend, who managed to get out because he's just a really fast runner, I guess. Everyone else is spontaneously combusted. Well, that, that's the entire population of a big concert opera at Carnegie Hall, and I don't know how many people that would be, several thousand, I'm guessing. And then Aya, because she's just so badass, she runs down into the sewers while wearing evening wear and hunts down and fights a big, uh, I think it was a giant scorpion thing, an EVM or some... Cryptic stuff about the mitochondria in her cell being different, and all other mitochondria being prone to inflammatory natures when Eve gets near them. And then, never mind that several thousand people were just incinerated at Carnegie Hall the night before. Only one TV news reporter is there on the scene because that is not a big story. We all know that. And the army is not called in until the next day after Eve has managed to turn several thousand more people into uh... well, the blob from Ghostbusters 2, pretty much.
0: Yeah. Also, should we all mention that this is all taking place in the Christmas of 1997? Like, it starts Christmas Eve, everyone turns into a blob on Christmas.
4: Yeah, I and mean, it must be a very long Christmas season because it takes place over six days.
0: Well, yeah, just, I mean, it's the first day is Christmas Eve, and it's Christmas, and it's a few days after Christmas.
2: Well, remember, Christmas is a big theme in this series. <laughs> Don't know why it's a big thing, because it was also, Christmas was kind of a big deal in the book, too. So... I don't know yeah. why Christmas is such a big deal, but man, Aya has the suckiest Christmases ever.
0: Yeah, it's like okay, it's plot spoilers. Not like we're already kind of past those, but the Ayah had had a car accident when she on Christmas Eve, when she was like six or Was it ten. I can't remember. I think it was six. And that's the start. Yeah, and that's the starting point of everything because, well, that's when her, well. Should I get into talking about the real story behind things yet, or should we just go on to more of the summary of the actual evang- game events first?
2: No, just talk about it, because it won't make sense otherwise.
0: Okay, yeah. So basically, Aya, uh, if you, throughout the whole game, Aya keeps seeing we- these weird images of this little girl running around who looks kind of like Aya herself. These are actually weird, not terribly well-explained images of her own younger, either her younger self or her younger twin sister, Maya. It's never quite explained. They show up both at the same time at one point. And this—it seems like her twin sister Maya, who died, who died in a car crash, Ashwin, Ashwin, Ashwin—they Ashwin, were both just six years old—was in fact Eve, the the inheritor of these kind of crazy super mitochondria that want to take over people and become the world and kind of replace humans as the dominant species on the planet or something. Okay, from the basically, uh, at this point, they—one of of Maya's organs is transplanted to Melissa and thus Melissa, many years from down the road, eventually becomes Eve. However, Aya, because, well, she's the twin sister to the, pers- the original host of Eve and because of some other little reasons, and she actually has the power to fight those mitochondria because her mitochondria are just as powerful as Eve's but kind of chose to support Aya rather than become Eve themselves. That's basically it as a nutshell. Sounds about right. And it's t- take way too long to explain this in actual game. It's kind of annoying. It's kind of a cool you backstory, know, but they take it way too long to explain it.
2: Well, considering how short you can make the game, you're right. It does take a long time for it to really develop. Um, even just the characterization of Aya herself, it, it does take a while to really get to know her. And even just the flashback stuff is a bit bizarre. And for me, truthfully, it came out of place at times. Like I didn't quite understand sometimes so it's like, oh, here, we're just going to show Maya. And you'd be like, okay, why are you doing that? There's no good reason for you to show Maya. And then they're like, oh, now we're going to explain why we're showing Maya. And I'm like, ugh, so frustrating. I like the idea of the story. Um, the localization, like now that I'm replaying it, is pretty special at times. Yeah, it's to the point where some... don't,
4: don't you like how certain quarters are just Emphasized for no apparent reason.
2: Yeah, at least that's yeah, it. I don't. It's a pain in the ass for a localization just to look at. Sometimes I'm just like, "Why is this word being emphasized?" I mean, I do that as a to, just to be a douchebag to people, but you know, <laughs> I don't need my video games doing it.
0: Yeah, it's just also just various complex important concepts aren't explained well and other such things. It's just not a terribly great localization in the story itself. Just is paced badly, just they don't reveal information in a logical way. And it feels like Aya herself doesn't really discover things when she should. She doesn't know things she should know. It's kinda of weird. Yeah. I mean it's kinda of fun regardless, but kind of there is the talent. There was
1: a lot of weird things, uh, and forgive me if I missed something, but I, I remember like the whole city being cleared of every single person. Or maybe that's the second one. But I was like, What yeah. the what the heck? Where did they all yeah. go? <laughs> just like... no, no, no. You're forgetting
4: I... They evacuated New York in one night. One night. That
0: They're all gone. gone. <laughs> it's kinda of seven people. Uh, just, hmm? It's amusing watching the CG scene of that where the taxi cab drivers are insane, but about that, yeah, it's kinda of crazy they evacuate so many people so quickly. But at least it kinda of makes sense considering you know, mass murders going on all left and right and giant monsters and sewers everywhere. So kinda of, it makes sense they evacuated New York. It's one of the few times RPG governments kind of do something logical so?
1: well it's not it's it's the decision is logical it's the fact that it can all happen in one day that isn't logical you, you, well that and it's new york, new york. <laughs> and you know people are going to stay behind you can't even evacuate everybody off of key west when a hurricane's coming uh, I, I don't know it was just a little it was just a little jaunting as all there's a lot of little things like that that would kind of if you were really trying to be sucked in by the story <laughs> part of the experience it would just jar you a little bit left and right and Kill your suspension of disbelief. You ever and of, wonder, of course, you
4: got to love uh, later on when the military starts deploying aircraft carriers right off New York Harbor and deploying fighter jets that will bomb the city. We, we're going to assume just, that it's been evacuated, of course.
0: It's fighter jets that not only are deployed from a carrier right to bomb New York City, these are fighter jets which fly between the buildings for no reason whatsoever.
4: Hmm. Last I checked, move fast enough, but they're not very maneuverable if you're trying to move between buildings. But, you know, I've never piloted a fighter jet. Maybe I just don't know how it's done, and I'm sure all of our listeners who have, in fact, piloted fighter jets will tell me that in their practice maneuvers, they've done that all the time.
3: In simulators.
4: Exactly. Mm. Simulators in real life. Well, maybe not. <laughs>
1: and what else? Course there. What else can we say about the uh, the story before we move on to another subject? And Aya um, likes
4: to and Eve her rights a lot before actually firing upon her. When you would think Aya has every right to start shooting immediately after seeing this woman cause the immolation of thousands of people in front of her.
0: Yeah, Aya does this weird thing where she almost refuses to actually shoot Eve, yeah. even though there's pl- Like she just always wants to talk to Eve and let Eve get away, even though she. By all rights, she should just be shooting at her Since that's her main objective
1: Yeah, I mean, she starts off the story With that scene in the opera house As being this tough woman Who is ready to lay down the smackdown Whenever the whole thing is blown up in fire But she's brave, she's got her gun She's ready to chase forward But then when it comes time to the actual execution Let's stop and talk it out
0: And it's partly because It makes sense in the respect of her own confusion About her own identity and the Her confusion about who Eve is, knowing that her sister's developed this somehow vaguely in some way she doesn't understand. But, yeah, it does get a bit taken too far.
2: You know what? In some ways, unfortunately, Parasite Eve just falls in the, the category where there's good ideas for the story, but it's so jumbled that, you know, it feels almost like a waste of time trying to parse it all together. Because you sit there and you go, well, that doesn't make sense to that. Mm -hmm. And the example of Eve is spot on. Aya constantly feels this desire to speak to Eve, but Eve's looking at it and going, I don't want to have a conversation with you. I want to blow shit up. (laughs) And, like, that's so truthful, though. I mean, if you look at the end of act of day four, that's a perfect example where Eve's just like, you know what? You're wasting my time. I want to blow up this hospital So either get out of here and get out of my way or die on the building. And that's pretty much what she tells Aya. So I'm looking at Eve and going, damn, you're smart. Aya, stop being dumb. (laughs) And then she dies because I kept dying there.
4: (laughs) Oh, and then there's uh, the doctor in the New York Museum of Natural History who is transparently evil but doesn't reveal it for a little while.
0: Yeah. It's just, you don't even know why he's being evil it's just he kind of wants to be evil he is
2: let's put it this way a lot of the characters in this game didn't make a lot of sense like i have a problem with a certain character in this game but i have more of a problem with him when we get to third birthday
0: yeah he's just Which kind is, of uh, creepy in this one but i imagine it must be well, much worse third I, you're birthday. referring think,
2: to meta i think
1: yep i think this is an excellent segue to go into our character section so why don't we start talking about characters
2: Meta, creepy doctor, is far more creepy in third birthday. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, Daniel, kind of cool, but kind of useless. And you have to. Okay, Daniel is is the interesting character. He starts the odd trend in this series of people who spontaneously combust yet survive. Like, it's explained in this game that people spontaneously combust because spontaneously combust because their mitochondria just go on overload, so they're basically incinerated from within. He does this twice. And yet he lives both times without any noticeable injury or pain. And the second time,
4: he's diving from a helicopter, which is hundreds of feet in the air, to toss Aya some special ammunition. And not only did he start to get incinerated, but he just fell about 500 feet straight into the water. And last I checked, he was not in great shape, so he's probably not going to survive that either.
0: Yeah, New York winter ocean. That can't be easy to get, deal with in any condition, let alone when you're on fire and just fell from 500 feet out of a helicopter. And yet he just comes out just fine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Totally makes sense, guys. Totally.
4: You're right. We don't need to question this at all. It's action movie logic.
2: It really is, though. It's like Die Hard, but not quite. Let me no, out no. of a helicopter. Okay, Die Hard. Comparing Die Hard no, to Parasite up. Eve is, an I, is not really good, because Die Hard is good and Parasite Eve is questionable.
4: Yeah, how about Die Hard? No, Live Free or Die Hard has that.
2: Better. <laughs> <laughs> that works just fine. But, oh, I don't really remember a lot of the characters, even as I'm replaying the game, because a lot of them are just really expositionary. They're just like, I'm here to tell you this important detail, except for Maida. Maeda's the only case where he doesn't fit that bill. But every other character, outside of Eve, Maeda, and Ida, or Aya, are pretty much all like, here, you need to do this, to go here. Like, what was the point of the little boy and his dog, and then his dog turns into an evil mutant? I didn't see the well, point of that. Well, he was Daniel's movie.
4: son! What and that Daniel? shows you that Daniel is a family man.
2: What That's what all it shows you. you. <laughs> Again, I didn't see a point to that, because it has nothing to really add to the story. Other than, wow, poor Aya, her poor police station got attacked. Oh no, Daniel's son's dog. I felt more sorry okay. for the dog, but I felt more sorry for my brain having to try to parse what the hell the point of that was.
1: Ouch.
2: <laughs> sorry, that, that that I don't like when games decide we have to throw in a pointless bit to the game that doesn't add diddly squat because that feels like a waste of time and the third day in this game was a waste of time in my books
0: yeah it's good you're you're saying that
2: Uh, just having the
4: dog change into a boss and nothing else in the police station be affected made no sense is that right
2: no it makes sense in that context but i don't see the point story-wise why that has to be there
0: well, yeah, that's the thing. The third day is kind of weird because basically nothing happens to advance the main plot. I found it fun anyways because it's well a fun defense of your own home base kind of thing. But it's like, yeah, a simple question is like, if if Eve really wanted to blow up the base, she could just do it. She could just walk in and spontaneously combust everyone there. So some of the convolutions that okay, she's technically running as a decoy operation for Aya, but. Even then, she doesn't do a very good job of it, since she's basically decoying Aya away from something Aya's still going to go to the next day anyways. But.
2: Well, and and I exactly agree with you about that. It's it's one of those things where, yeah, it's neat that she gets to defend her home territory, but it's all about chasing Eve in some ways to get you know the whole sentimental aspects of who am I. So what does this whole third day add to Aya's journey? It adds nothing other than, Here's her home base being attacked. Whoop-de-doo. Like that and that's the part that annoyed me because it felt so pointless to the other chapters. Like compared to like finishing up the fourth chapter now, the fourth chapter gives you lots of detail about why things are the way that they are. So does the second chapter. So does the first chapter. So the third chapter felt like filler to me.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like Persidive is an extremely focused game, really extremely zoomed in on the interactions between Aya and Eve. So things that aren't focused on that, like the third chapter do feel a bit out of place and an otherwise kind of very much focused game.
2: Like so far it's my only complaint I'm having with the story. Like I, I'm I'm enjoying what I understand of the story, considering it's a convoluted mess. It's yep. still not as bad of a convoluted mess as third birthday. But I find that at least I'm, I'm comprehending aspects not foreshadowing. of foreshadowing. No, no, because everyone needs to understand what I went through. <laughs> I'm not letting anybody get out of this discussion, you know, unscathed.
1: Now, now, children, I hate to play referee and throw down the yellow flag, but here at the RPG Backtrack, you are highly encouraged. In fact, you are required to provide spoilers about the game. However, spoilers about things coming up on the podcast is a no zone.
2: Hey, you've done that plenty of times before. I'm
1: allowed, I'm the host.
2: Oh, oh, I see. (laughs) I don't like this double standard. And
1: I made up that rule about 20 seconds ago.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. So, yeah, characters. I mean, I guess Ben is cool. Well, there's Ben and then his dog. And then the dog bites Uh you in the face. And then that's what, What's about the name it? of the
4: guy of the guy who controls the armory at the police station who probably was killed?
0: Yeah, Torres. That sounds right.
2: And then Wayne takes over.
0: Yeah, yeah Torres. Who gives you a gun luxury when like he takes an M sixteen?
4: He sounds like he came out of some buddy cop movie from the eighties, and uh, he never got the chance to get out of that because he really was too old for this stuff.
0: Yeah, but hey, at least he gives you an M sixteen before he goes.
4: And then his, per- his perennial argument with Wayne over whether guns are an evil necess- a necessity or just something that are, is really cool, well, it just gets cut off. Because monsters come along, and you know what? You need guns to fight those monsters. So the argument appears to be in Wayne's favor.
0: Yeah, and also Wayne's kind of nice, considering he's much more generous about giving you cool upgrades and such, which you kind of need. Because I love the gun customization system in this game. I love it.
4: Sounds like we for segueing over to gameplay now, Phil, because I think we've run out of characters.
1: Mm. <laughs> Which I cared a lot more about the gameplay than I did about the about the um story <laughs> and the characters because all I wanted to do is shoot things up. So uh Parasite features, uh, kind of a Sweeto real time uh RPG mixture system type of thing uh, very similar to uh what was that vandal or uh vagrant story where it's
0: kind of like mixing vagrant story with a final fantasy style action gauge that sums up most of it
1: yeah you got this little gauge that fills up uh when it's full you can hit the uh button and uh and then choose what attacks or uh, spells or whatever they're called uh skills or parasite powers or what were they called
0: Parasite energy.
1: Thank you. Here's your parasite energy skills. Uh, choose which one of those. So you had time to think because while you were doing that, the, the game, I believe, was paused, right? When you were yeah, when you hit that, the menus open. Yep. So the menus would open. You'd be able to use item, You know, take your time choosing what you want. But then once you actually perform that action, which would take a second or two, and the monster's moving around, uh, you you would need uh, another three or four seconds for your action build to re- refill before you could do something else. So in the meantime, you're running around, a la Diablo or something like that, avoiding uh, anything that the enemy might be shooting, or if they're a melee enemy, you're gonna want to try to stay out of their range. And that's where the game tends to falter just a teeny tiny bit because, well, I'll, you know I'm not going to steal the thunder from from Mr. Minky. Mr. Minky, would you explain how running around in the game works and how much you loved it?
4: Oh, yes. Aya and her running. You see, when Aya runs, she doesn't run like most people. She slowly jogs. That's a, that's a more apt description of what she does. She, certainly she's moving, but in relation to how quickly the enemies are attacking her, this this slow jog generally is inadequate for getting her out of range, and you will most likely be taking lots of hits because I... She, I don't know. Maybe it's because she's dressed for a New York winter, sort of, but she just can't quite get out of range unless you're using the haste spell all the time. And even then, you might keep wondering, I, I thought you were faster than this. Look, that gigantic spider on the on the roof of the hospital is spinning webs, and I thought you were out of range of it, but oh, that spider was faster than you. That's terrible.
0: Well, I don't know. I haven't can't really complain too much about it. Sure certainly Aya is slow unless you use haste spell, but I've never found she's too slow to dodge, as long as you know where to position yourself, how to move. How to dodge it's generally, actually, I think, rather fair, outside of a couple of attacks the final boss has where I just have no idea how to dodge them. Now, Some I did figure out how to dodge, but I like, hey, don't.
1: Help me out here because it it's been like, I don't know how many years since I played these games, so uh, they kind of merged together in my head sometimes. I played Parasite Eve 1 and 2. I remember that the way she moved was, and the way you control that movement was dramatically different in both games, but in the first one was the direction you pressed, the way in she went... Point- then the second one, she was like a tank,
4: goes in that direction. No, yeah. So no foreshadowing. We'll talk about the second one when it comes. I, I was just clarifying.
1: I was just clarifying which one was which because I wasn't entirely sure.
0: Yeah, in the first game, she just follows any kind of reasonable movement scheme. She push up, she moves up. Moves, oh, okay. Push left, she goes left.
1: Yeah, so uh, yeah, she definitely, I remember that, okay, so uh, yeah, I do remember that being sluggish, I, I, I think I kind of agree with both of you, on one hand, uh, she's she's definitely sluggish, I, I think I just came to accept that simply because since, the, the big problem here is that they're using, uh they're using the Final Fantasy 7 deal uh, when moving around the real world where you've got this hand-painted background and you're kind of, wait, no, when you got into, ba- yeah, you weren't you moving around a hand-painted background?
0: Yeah, It wasn't
1: a 3D background, so the camera had to be... Lots of those static screens where you kind of have to hunt around and peck and see, is that the door? No, that's not the door. Is that a chest? No, that's not a chest.
0: What what kind of interactive... Yeah, the game loves to hide stuff from you. It's just half the game is trying to figure out how the game is hidden cool stuff from you.
1: Yeah, so the uh, the thing was you, you you couldn't be running too far because the, the the screens were never never allowed that much movement anyways. And then if you ran off the screen into another room, the camera angle would shift so suddenly. Uh, I mean, your control scheme would just get totally screwed up so quick it wasn't even funny. So the fact that she moved slow kind of helped you from having too many of those of those issues but at the same time yeah she did feel very sluggish like she was walking around with a box of quarters in each pocket um
0: Actually, we can't how much ammo she's carrying she's carrying a lot more of box yeah, of quarters than of yeah she's got, the got ammo yeah
1: she's she's got all that ammo she's walking around with but at the same time yeah as long as you kind of knew what was coming and you got used to the enemies it took a little you know it took a battle or two to get used to let's say i think it was the rats who threw those little whatever it is that came off their tail, little spikes or something. But they didn't. those spikes didn't move too fast either. So you knew they were coming, you knew what direction they were going to go, and, and if you anticipated that, you could get out of the way. I, I didn't the great have...
4: thing is that it apparently says either Aya has terrible eyesight, or if you make an RPG with guns, you need to have some correction for the fact that guns have range more than, I don't know, 10 feet in front of you. Because if you get have. Aya... More than about that from any enemies and suddenly her bullets start doing horrible damage. As you get further away, then they just miss altogether because she, well, I make no well, justification of well, that. Somebody
0: else do it. Well, at least for the simple fact that, at least she always is guaranteed to hit any enemy within her range. So there's that. She doesn't have any basic accuracy issues at all as long as you stay within range. But it's a simple fact that the game is simply built around, it's just, it's a PlayStation game. It doesn't have. Great distances, ability to handle large battlefields, large things. You kind of have to make it fo- close quarters and tight, and they kind of thus the, the ranges of the weapons have to be kind of small to so actually have the range matter, because it's kind of a big part of the gameplay and the balance between different weapons. So yeah, I can
4: really understand it in the RPG sense of making sure that you can't just stand in one place and shoot everything and mm-hmm. do that getting off scot free. But
1: in back in the you... oh, go ahead.
4: It just doesn't make much sense taken strictly from the standpoint of, I have a gun, I'm shooting that gun. It suddenly becomes ineffective past ten feet because the bullets are made of uh, titanium with lead lining that falls to the earth one hundred times faster than usual, or whatever the justification for that would be. Based strictly on this being a gun. Hmm. But as an RPG, it works. Because range increases as you upgrade your weapons.
1: Mm. Um. And I mean, I will say, like, I played when I played other games of that era, like Final Fantasy VII, or uh, heaven forbid, you tried one of the earlier Resident Evil games or whatnot. Whenever they forced that the whole three D uh, thing, where the whole the whole surrounding was in three D, I personally thought those graphics were always horrible. I always felt like we made the jump to video games and RPGs, made the jump to three D too early. Um, so having that kind of a suedo style, I, I, on one hand, my, you know, when I was just walking around, looking around, I, I kind of enjoyed the fact that they were so detailed and kind of, sort of, in their, you know, pretty in their own way. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, when it came to actual gameplay and running around in those environments and trying to react quickly when there's shelves in a way and the camera's stuck at this obscene angle, that doesn't quite work, you know, for shooting at things and stuff. It was it was really weird. Especially if you're just going around the corner and it would it would totally go to and shift to an entirely different screen. Uh and yet that monster could still sort of hit you even though now you could not completely see it at all.
0: Uh That's only happens in Precedive Two. That doesn't happen at all in Presidive
1: One. Okay.
5: Yeah. It'll Eve
0: it'll one that almost Persever One pedals almost entirely focused on a camera straight above. The field where there's absolutely no obstacles, so it, it's often an overly confined field. There's almost never anything to worry about in that regard for which I can at least give credit, some credit
1: for. Okay,
0: yeah, bi- and I met- remember. Oh,
1: go ahead, Michael.
3: One of the big problems I had was the uh, the whole part where not only did you move sluggish, not only did you move you know in one direction, but every single area in a Two was a corridor. You couldn't ever really get away. You're like, I can run that far and hit a wall, then run this far and hit a wall. And it's like, by the time you turn and move, that was my biggest problem.
1: Mm
5: -hmm.
3: Forget the range. I mean, I couldn't even get away.
1: I mean, I I personally, I found, uh, and and just, again, this is from years ago, I found the, the combat in Parasite Eve to be pretty fun um overall it had its shortcomings but again back in those days we didn't really have a whole lot of choices when it came to action rpgs you were either playing diablo or you were playing this and granted diablo is better but i mean you know when you had a playstation and this was you know the first thing this was probably my first taste of that type of action rpg out of maybe something like a secret of mana or something um so, I mean, my first PlayStation experience with an action RPG. So the limitations uh, certainly didn't bother me. But with that being said, it certainly hasn't uh, aged terribly gracefully. <laughs> if you go back and you play it now cold, you've got to understand that you've got to put your mindset back in the late 90s. Okay. Um, how about the, uh, the boss fights? What did you all think about those?
0: Um, They're okay. Some good, some bad. I mean, I really liked the boss music for the early fights against Steve. I can say that. Mm-hmm. Some other boss fights are fun. Um, some boss fights felt just totally out of nowhere for the simple sake of having a boss fight for no good reason. Like Shiva. Shiva's fine. The, the worms I complain about.
2: Oh, the worms were awful. Yep. Okay, yeah, that, that boss fight was terrible just because there was no real way to... There was, Let's put it this way. It was one of those boss fights where you just had nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. So you pretty much had to play the let's try to outmaneuver the the worms and then instead get smacked every so often when you're like, I totally did not run into the stupid worm. And then the game's like, yes, you did. Because um, I found that the same with the spider boss fight as well, where it's like, you totally ran into the web. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And then the game's like, haha, like. Oh, God. Some, some of the boss fights have been really annoying, especially in this replay. I don't remember them being as bad when I was younger. I think because I've matured in taste, um, the boss fights are getting to me a little bit more.
0: I, don't know, I actually found the bosses to be easier this time around than I did from what I remember when I played them way back when I was a kid. I had a lot easier time with the final boss this time around than I did originally. It like we said for a lot of fights like, say, Shiva and such.
4: Just remember that when you go out there on the aircraft carrier and take your chopper out to fight Eve, you're going to fight both of reforms, and then you will have absolutely no chance to get any significant restock before you fight the ultimate being.
2: Oh, much. joy. Yeah, oh, well, so you're also,
0: essentially. a oh, quick oh, so public, public service announcement. Other than the weapon you engrave at the end, put everything else in storage. At least all of your weapons and armor. Because. Not, you'll thank me for that when it comes time to the play the, through the second game and go into the, well, the hidden post-game stuff.
2: I have a sinking suspicion when I go do this ultimate being, I'm going to have to grind a stupid amount.
0: Well, that's the problem. You can't be true. unless the unless you grind before you take on Eve.
2: That's what I mean. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to use all of day five to just grind.
0: Stay in
4: the museum, go fight, um, what is it? You fight a Triceratops skeleton that comes to life, and you fight a T-Rex skeleton that comes to life, and once you get out of that building, or no, once you go to the top and start talking to Eve, that sets it all in terrain. So don't go up to the top of the museum and start talking to Eve until you're ready.
0: Yeah, don't go into the top of the museum and talk to Eve unless you've already built your ultimate shotgun of icy doom and tranquilizing. And, well, icy, tranquilizing, double action, first, fast draw. What the hell did I put on that super shotgun? I can't remember. Like seven things I put on my shotgun. It's awesome. I love the gun customization.
2: Good to know for later.
4: Yes, and well, let's see. I didn't have any problems with Eve, per se. I beat both of her forms. Although the first one is just stupid because you have to take out several thousand hit points in a game that doesn't have bosses with huge hit point totals.
0: Rockets helped. It really helped.
4: I wish I had known that. Instead, I. <laughs> used up a, a lot of munitions taking her out. Then she switches to another form, and you have to beat that, but I found it easier. And then the sixth day begins, and the ultimate being pops out as a really fugly baby, and you've got to go fight it. You kill the baby, then it turns into this thing that could be any number of things. With flight station visuals of this area, it's kind of hard to tell. Kind of Adolescents
0: with wings. Wings that break off and become their own creature after you do some damage mm-hmm. to it.
4: So yeah, it breaks apart after you beat on it enough, and then the two parts will attack you separately, which is a lot of fun. And then it turns into its even stronger form, which is the one that you will have much much trouble with because it. I, really? Facts tell you to run away from its its kick combo, and I was only able to do that about one time in three. It's pretty hard to dodge.
0: Yeah, the kick There's combo, fortunately doesn't do that much damage. The trick though is to make sure to run under it when it does that whole barrage of pink bullets. That's the point where it can't hit you with the bullets, so it's the safe zone is right beneath its legs.
4: Yeah, I was able to do that some of the time, but hate really, really helped for that. And if you were too far away you were screwed. But if you beat that form, then Daniel does his majestic jump off of the helicopter to talk to the ammo in midair before he immolates and crashes into the New York Harbor freezing temperatures. And if you equip the right ammo, then you can kill the final form very easily. But then, then you
5: get to oh outrun God. the ultimate
0: chasing you through the ship. And it will I... kill you instantly if it touches you. I hate that so much. I mean, when I originally played this game way back when it was first released, I beat the final boss. I beat the ultimate being. I reduced it to this fl- little mess on the floor. And then it did that scene, and I died. And I never played the game again because I hated it that much. I never actually saw the ending to the game because I beat the final boss, but I couldn't do the stupid running thing. It took more tries than I'd like to mention when I came back to play the game for this podcast. It's just, that's a really stupid section. You beat the final boss. You utterly destroy it. You destroy dismembered entirely but once it's reduced to a puddle flopping around like a fish out of water suddenly it's a chase scene where it'll kill you and you can't shoot it and k- finish it off for some unknown reason and you have to go through the scene where it's just the game's actively trying to kill you and force you to replay through the cool final boss fight reducing the final boss fight to the stupid chore you have to do it's terrible I'm not
4: arguing with you not at all
0: hey Michael any, any thoughts on that?
4: It reminds me a
3: lot of uh, Metroid where you like finish the boss and they're like, okay, you have five minutes to get out. And you're like, can I save first? And you're like, no, nah, go for it. It's just the same <laughs> crap. It's like, I, I won the game. I won. Do you understand? I have won the game. Do not screw me now.
4: Actually makes really good sense. I'm going to remember that comparison. Thank
2: you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So... I don't think I want to finish this game now. <laughs> <laughs> what you've made it sound like. And I mean... You know, so, Phil's going to yell at me, but the yeah, third birthday does the same thing, simple. so, you know. You just
4: have to do everything perfectly. All the time. Oh,
2: yes, because I can do things perfectly when I didn't even know that after I had to beat the stupid spider boss, there was that 60 seconds to try to find a corner to run out, except everything is gray on gray, so you can't tell where you're going.
0: Yeah, it's like that. It's F.U.
2: game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this yeah. is even making me cry even more.
0: Well, okay, it's worth it to fight, to fight and defeat the final boss. It's just... Maybe not necessarily worth it to get past the final bo- da- boss because uh, I mean it's not worth it to get past that part after the final boss because you know what the ending is weird. I'm only really willing to do it because I'm actually curious what the Chrysler building is like, which is the yeah, on the second playthrough of the game and onwards you get to go into the Chrysler building, which is a, this massive post-game super dungeon full of powerful new enemies and lots of new equipment and a super final boss at the very end, which I've never seen, but. It's, seems like it might be interesting to go for one there.
4: So I saw it. I saw it because this is, this is the wonderful thing about playing the game in this day and age. I can just decide no, I'm not going through all 100 floors of the Chrysler building to fight the real Eve. I can just watch it on YouTube. Which probably makes me a dirty rotten cheater in some circles and I'm a, I will accept that label.
2: Meh, not worth it I bet.
1: Hmm. <laughs> all right so let's uh wrap this up we've still got two more games to talk about and i believe there's enough diversity between the three games to go to warrant a wrap up uh, separately of each one so for those of you been on the show before you know this works you get 30 seconds on the clock to either convince our audience to either buy it or avoid it we'll start off with mr minky
4: Let's see here. I did not have an unquestioned good time with Parasite E, but I did have some good moments with it. And yes, the plot has a lot of holes and makes no sense in places, but I commend it for being something I have not seen before. The more RPG plots I see, the more I applaud novelty. And in that respect, it most definitely succeeds. And the equipment upgrade system of the game is really nifty, and I like that part of it a lot. So on balance, i give you the recommendation, but not a glowing one
1: necessarily. All right. Mr. Nathan.
0: Okay, well, basically, this game has a great equipment system. One of my favorite attack abilities ever, Liberate, where basically Aya becomes a winged angel of utter destruction and death, which is just ridiculously broken and fun. And finally, this is the game that came with the demo disc that introduced me to Xenogears, I believe, which I will forever thank it for. <laughs> so yeah, it's great find it way back when, but these days uh get it cheap, I guess.
1: Alrighty. Is it is it worth uh I guess uh, the asset test we could give this here, whether or not you recommend it, is it worth the ten dollars it's going for on the PlayStation Network? I'm assuming it's, only it's ten
2: dollars. Oh
1: it's only five they reduced it it's further.
2: Only, it's like five or six. <laughs> I swear um, I paid Which 10. is what I which is what I did and yeah. Um I don't know if I can recommend this
1: one. Alright, Sam, it's your turn. Go.
2: I don't know if i can recommend it it's it's like june said there's a lot of neat ideas and uh, even though the plots full of holes it's different and it's different in a fun way but that being said there's no fun in obviously doing a final boss multiple times to the point where it's like game seriously now you're outstaying your you're welcome bite me so i'm not looking forward to that final boss i don't know if i'll finish it so right now i'm on the whole you know two thumbs middle <laughs> How
1: does that sound? I'm <laughs> all, Uh, Mr. Tidwell. Back in the day, I would have said without a doubt, but
3: today I think that we've evolved a little too far. I think we're too spoiled now by stories that make sense. We're too used to controls that we really like, and uh, I don't think now it's really worth playing. I don't think you're going to miss anything if you don't play it.
1: And, uh, yeah, I mean... You know for me i would i i enjoyed it when it back in the day, I'm looking at it through rose-colored glasses. Uh, like I said before, it really didn't age uh, terribly great. If you're a retro gamer and you enjoy playing games for uh, for for seeing how they played and their place in history, and you're that kind of connoisseur, then by all means, divulge yourself in this one. Uh, you'll have a fair time with it. But if uh, if you're like most gamers and you're kind of spoiled by <laughs> the new uh, by by the conveniences that newer games bring, including a camera that actually works, um, <laughs> that actually contributes to gameplay, uh, you're going to want to stay away from this. It's not going to be something you're going to stick with in the long run. So, uh, I will say that um, if you are going to retro play this, uh, playing it on the PSP is pretty nifty because the graphics hold it better on a small screen than they do blown up all over a 40 inch plasma screen. So, I've, I've kind of dived back into it to prep for this and I like it better on the smaller screen (laughs) so alrighty well we're going to take a small break we'll be right back to talk about Parasite Eve 2 Uh, one moment welcome back we're ready to talk about Parasite Eve 2 developed by Squaresoft published here in North America by Square EA this was brought out on the Playstation later on on the Playstation Network released in North America on September the 12th 2000 and later on re-released on your PSP and PS3 through the Playstation Network on August 23rd 2011 this is a single player action RPG RPG Rated M for mobility or lack thereof.
4: <laughs> well, Phil, together it's very simple. If you are one of the people who just loved the early Resident Evil games, and I have not played them, nor am I inclined to have to playing this, then you will go,
5: I love these controls! I love
4: spinning around in a circle every time I try to turn left or right. Then you're going to go with this game, it's just like those! i so happy! Because that's exactly what I gathered from the people on the forums talking about this game when I um, waxed r- waxed eloquently about the issues I was having and how the controls, to put it mildly, did not please me.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, the controls. Oh god, the controls. Um, the game a- would just be... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so the game would be so much better if it controlled like the original in terms of just movement some basic sane way of you push up to go up it makes sense it- instead you have to do the Rotating thing and so slow and clunky, and there's one ty- enemy type, type in the game which is only hard because of the head control.
1: And, and normally, we have a method of talking about these games, we like to go through story and characters first, etc. etc. But the reason why we really dive into this is I'm right there with you guys. I actually played Parasite Eve 1 and 2 in a row, uh, not very long after the second one came out. And uh in playing the first one, I enjoyed the gameplay, the upgrade system, a lot of things that you guys talked about. It had its shortcomings, but it was sufficient enough for me to want to dive into a second one. And then I got into the second one, and I'm like, what the hell did they do to the controls? And I, I can't tell you how many times I thought to myself, if they just left it the same as one, if they just left it the same as one, why in a the world they felt the need to go to that method. I can only guess it had to do with appealing to the Resident Evil crowd, which was pretty big. Um, I can't imagine why else because, boy, it sucked. And I I guess, you know, the whole thing with Resident Evil and when you look back at the mentality of why they did it that way, um, it was one of the ways that they used to kind of – make you feel more limited in what you could do and therefore build up some of the horror and the suspension because you'd have these zombies who are naturally slow by nature, not to mention, as we mentioned before, the processors on these PlayStation Ones really couldn't handle big areas with lots of enemies coming at once. So you didn't get twenty zombies. You only had one or two at a time and they would kinda of clunk towards you. So making you limit in your ammunition and in and, and your movement uh in Resident Evil games kind of added to the whole, you know, I've got a. you know, I'm gonna die. Well, it, it, but when you go from Parasite Eve 1 and you didn't play the Resident Evil games like I didn't, and you play Parasite Eve 1 and then you jump into 2, which is just like Resident Evil, it's like, holy cow, this is, this is clunky. That was something, I guess, when you compare it to those other games that, Re- that Parasite Eve 1 got right, and they just botched it up here. It was just a mess. Now, so, remember how many
4: bullets you usually took to down something in Parasite Eve
1: 1? No, my memory's not that good. It was Two, three, four, around that. And
4: Parasite 2 once you get deeper into the game, you will need the 80,
3: 100 bullets. A couple of clips. Honestly,
0: 100 bullets to take down a single foe sometimes. 100 bullets. Just sitting there firing a submachine gun until you empty the giant clip.
1: <laughs> a couple of clips.
4: And remember how Parish, the first game's inventory was pretty limited at first, but it gradually grew. That doesn't happen in the second one. You stick with 20 items, and you can't even use all of them in battle. Isn't that fun? Wow, that sounds swell, Minky. I
1: know. I, again, this just goes just, But this goes back to building a stronger uh, you know, feeling of suspension and horror because you're limited in your supplies. That's what the Resident Evil games were based off of. Well,
4: well yes, I can totally see this. This this is indeed horrifying, but not in the way the developers planned.
0: <laughs>
4: screaming, yes, but I'm not screaming in fear. I'm screaming in rage. <laughs>
0: okay. Can I chime in here a little? Sure. Okay, the thing is that the I actually the inventory is kind of annoyingly compacted in the game. The turning controls suck. The camera angles are just maliciously designed it's spend more time looking at Aya shooting than actually seeing what she's shooting at. And the target cursor is just not nice at all. But other than that, I actually rather like the gameplay in this game actually. The more I've been playing it, the more I kind of get to like how it kind of flows and works. Like it's very well, much nature. Hmm?
4: it sounds like you're not a fan of seeing something targeted, but the game not showing you that there's a wall in the way. So if you start shooting at that target, you're just gonna waste your ammo. That Actually,
0: correct? Yeah, that's one problem. I'm more of a problem with the fact that I've just downed two enemies and rendered them harmless, but a third enemy just past them. But no matter how many times I hit square to retarget, it won't target that enemy until it comes up and starts stabbing me, and even then I still can't target it. That's what I hate.
4: Ah, yeah. uh, so those are great moments.
1: <laughs> Bring a tear to my eye.
4: <laughs> These are the kind of things that we'll remember in 40 years when we're reminiscing with our descendants. Boy, remember when the controls and games were pretty bad? Boy, descendants of mine, you should be glad that you don't have to think about that.
0: Mm. Yeah, but still, <laughs> uh, more on the positive side, I actually kind of like a lot of the... Well, the, all the tactics you need to go through in the game. Sure, they've kind of stripped out some of the stuff I really like, like the detailed weapon customization system. But there's still, like, brief sh- flickers of that in the interesting armor variety, the interesting weapon variety, the fact that different weapons play very well against different foes. That enemies will really hurt you and drain your resources if you fight them wrong, but if you figure out the right way to beat them, they can be really easy. So there's a lot, if you figure things out, and manage your resources right the game can be pretty fair and fun once you get past the bad controls and weird camera angles.
4: Yeah, I'll say I finally... I never came to accept the controls, but I came to work with them less badly. And once I got into the shelter, I never died again.
1: Yeah, I, I... I played through the game... Well, not all the way through. I played the game twice. The first time through... Um... Uh, I think the gameplay just kind of killed it for me. But the second time through, uh, I was bound and determined to get through, <laughs> to get through it. And it, it grows enough on you to where you learn to accept it and work with it. Um, uh, it's not going to win you over. It's something you got to learn to accept. But once you do, it, it, it can grow on you a little bit. At least enough to get through the game. So I got through it, and that's saying something. <laughs>
0: I'm working my way through it. Almost there. Couldn't quite be in time for this podcast. Originally I didn't get through it at all because I I mean, I got it way back when it was first released. but the problem was I got stuck on these stupid resident evil puzzles. Oh, you know, I can't oh, like deal with the controls. Thank but you. I can't deal with these puzzles. That's a that's all right, a... Nathan, I have to bring this up because
4: there wasn't one part in this game. I'm sure you've found it by now if you're talking about the puzzles. Remember the block of 16? With one empty space, and you have to shift everything around to get the symbols in just the right order.
0: That was no problem. I made it through Avalon Code. So sliding puzzles mean nothing to me anymore. It's just, it's just that I
4: hate that style of puzzle in real life. I never play those if I can avoid it. And here the game throws something I absolutely despise at me and it makes me do it.
0: Game, go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my problem was first off, when I first played the game, I couldn't find the stupid top of the water or tower where I didn't find the key. So, like, very early on, early in Dryfield, I I just couldn't progress, and I stopped for me right there, way back when. More, I, I only knew about it later on because I read a strategy guide. Yeah, that's... Uh, More recently, I had a problem because I didn't know you could actually open up a window to get more detailed information on the items by any triangle. That only becomes relevant and actually necessary for progressing deep in the shelter late in the game, just two. And thus I was stuck for like an hour trying to figure out how to progress because I didn't know how to read that one little item.
1: Yeah, I mean, anybody who. Stuff who's... like that. Anybody who's listened to a lot of Backtrack knows that I'm not a huge fan of puzzles in my RPGs. Uh, the problem with them is that if you don't get them, you can hit a brick wall and it can just end your gameplay. And that's actually that's actually where I, I – the first time I went through the game, I just put down the controller and walked away. The, 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 the combat was a little frustrating when you're stepping down from uh, – when you're stepping from the first game to this one. But what really nipped it in the bud for me where I hit a little bit of a brick wall was – the puzzles i think it was in the dinosaur park or whatever the hell it was and that was enough for me to just that was the that was the big huge log that broke the camel's back and i walked away the second time i went through it i i even knew before i sat down i was going to go through it with an faq in hand because i can't stand those types of puzzles uh in my games if you don't get it uh, I don't like them. In my RPGs and the pen and paper is a lot easier because you can set it up to where if the party doesn't get it, you can drop them extra hints. You can make it to where they're really not required. It gives them an extra battle or makes it more difficult, but you know they're not actually you know enough to stop the entire pen and paper session. But in a, in a computer game or a console RPG uh, like this, it's okay if they want to put them in to give you an extra powerful item, and if you miss it, you miss it. But to to make it to where it's required to move forward. Just makes me want to take my head and bang it against a wall a few dozen times.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, there's some of the puzzles in here really bad too. Like, it's one thing to have a vaguely defined hint trying to tell you how to move to the next puzzle, it can be frustrating, but you not only have one vaguely vague hint, but four vague hints, all in different in such places. Three of which I didn't even find. Some of which I couldn't even find, even though I knew where they were. And the one I did find was half a erased. And none of these hints are actually in the same place as the thing they're hinting about. Yeah, that's just a guide thing. I'm not even going to touch that. (laughs) So, uh, we jumped
1: really fast into the whole gameplay section and totally sped past the uh, story section. So let's backtrack over to that for just a moment. Who wants to talk about the story?
0: Okay, one sentence description. The story of this game is whack. It is. It is
1: on weed. (laughs) What about, uh, Mike, I'm, I'm sure you can give us more details since the memory is much more recent in your head.
4: <laughs> uh, I think maybe it was pretty recent, too, but I'll, I'll just say this. The first event of this game, I has to go in, into a major office building in L.A. surrounded by cops, and I was getting Die Hard flashbacks from this, which is a bad sign, because if I'm thinking about Die Hard, I'm thinking about something I'd rather be doing than playing this game. But it sure as hell reminded me of Die Hard. Here we have a big office building in LA surrounded by cops. Explosions are going off in it, gunfire going off. Um, but yeah, okay. Uh, it's three years later. She's left the, the NYPD and is now part of the special FBI bureau called NIST. And I can't remember what that stands for, but it's something not so great that it instantly. Well, the M
0: mitochondria, and that's about all I know. Yeah, and.
4: We now have neo mitochondrion creatures. I chalked that up because the Matrix came out the year before and the word neo was in vogue. So, of course, they're neo mitochondrion creatures, not just old plain mitochondrial creatures. That would be too ordinary. And they no longer appear to be set off by Eve, which is, I guess, the reason that being in close proximity to them does not instantly immolate people.
0: Well, yeah, the and, monsters never immolated people. It's just Eve who did. That's but... true,
4: but. You'd think there would be some immediate cause, but no, no. The cause for these neo-mitochondrial creatures comes from a gigantic bunker that was constructed in the desert southwest, which is roughly the size of, oh, I don't know, Jurassic Park combined with, oh, the entire corridor set of aliens and several other movies thrown together. It's big. And it was apparently constructed in just a few months because things had been going in there for long enough that lots of experiments were conducted and eventually the inhabitants are all dead now, I gather. Nobody's left in there anyway, except the the creatures. So no one ever noticed this thing being made in the Southwest. And yes, it is the Southwest, but it was right next to a town. Admittedly, everyone in that town is dead, but apparently no one ever thought to investigate all the people in that town
0: dying. That, yeah, that's the thing that, that really never, got. Yeah. It's like the thing. It's like, okay, basically, I had sent in because there's been cow mutilations in the area. Cow mutilations. And a photograph of a Bigfoot. That's why she sent in to investigate this, this town, which apparently everyone in there had already fled days ago. Everyone's been murdered. And this whole incident apparently is involved at least somewhere in the uh, order of apparently hundreds of people being, going missing or being killed in weird ways. It's in relation to this project that she eventually uncovers and investigates. And, like, this, this is a whole a giant endeavor of insanity. And she goes in because there's supposedly been some cows mutilated in the area. It, it I gotta no say,
4: sense. the FBI's surveillance kind of dropped the ball on
0: this one. The FBI's budget also... The Myst is horribly funded, apparently. I mean, in the first Yeah! Game, in, it's like, in the first game...
4: Aya doesn't get any backup until the very end of the game. That's horrible. She should be yeah, the she... best agent in this. She's got the most experience out of all of them.
0: Yeah, she gets no backup. She gets no equipment. I mean, the first game, like, Trouble pops out. They say, okay, Trouble's having Here's an M16. Like, we're going to give you everything we can to ha- afford to give you to help you out with this problem. Mist, the special secret FBI organization, you have to buy your own equipment. They don't give you squat.
4: And in this game, she actually gets a few things from the dead SWAT officers in the tower, and the SWAT take them back the next day. What the hell?
0: And the SWAT gear is way better than anything that Mist gives her.
4: Yeah. Why are SWAT officers walking around with better stuff than this veteran tactical secret FBI organization that should be equipped better than anyone to handle these things? I don't know.
0: And why can't I just keep the gun I used at the end of the last game? Why? <laughs> the
4: world may never know. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. yes, you get a couple of quick cutscenes involving the president, deciding to send in the Marines, and then later nuke the whole area from orbit, I guess. Well, he's not quite nuking it, but he activates the hidden satellite weaponry that the United States has been keeping in orbit to blast the entire area of dry field to bits. You'll see that at the end. Again, this, this leads to disturbing questions such as if the government can just decide to blast things from orbit whenever it chooses. Why didn't it blow up the entirety of Afghanistan a few years ago? Nah, I'm the real world into I'm sorry. That was bad of me.
2: This game sounds like such a joy. Uh, yeah. This game is just weird. I mean,
0: I'll say the thing. The game is honestly, it's an honestly a horror game that the first game wasn't. The first game is never really what I'd call a horror game. It's not really scary. It's barely even creepy, if you ask me. This one, I don't know. Playing through it and running into Neo Ark for the first time—it's downright bizarre and disturbing. Like they made a theme park for the criminally insane down there. It's a mad scientist's theme park of all the various horrible things they've done. And like people should be happy about it? Messed up in all kinds of ways. Yeah, most of the best plot stuff
4: doesn't happen directly at all. It's when I was reading the notes of the scientists in the shelter who did freaky stuff in there and seeing the results of their experiments.
0: Just, uh.
4: Well, I know, I know you've played a little bit of it, Sam. What have you, what have you thought of your experience so far? Poopy.
2: <laughs> this, this, I don't know if I can actually continue with this one, because um, I think Tidwell said it best. Um, there are moments in that game where you get caught in a corner, you don't know why you can't maneuver out of the corner when everything's decided it's coming to gang-rape you. I don't like just, those you know. moments, and I think that it's really dumb that they don't give you enough space, maybe, to maneuver. I don't know. I just found that the first stage took me a good couple tries, just because, one, I wasn't used to the control scheme, In the last Resident Evil-style game I played was Galarians, of all things. So, for me, the control scheme was enough to kind of mess with my brain, and I was just not having fun at all. To the point where I think I, I stopped, and I was like... I don't know if I can put any more time into this one, and I actually think I am just going to delete it off my, my PS, my PS3, because it's just, it just does not sound like it's for me. I love a good horror game, but I think that the problems you've all addressed are enough of a turnoff that I don't think I can stomach it. Like you're not really making it sound like there's some good to be had here. There,
1: there is, isn't.
0: but there's no. at least uh...
2: a. <laughs> I mean.
1: <laughs> it, <laughs> i there's we i mean i think the good in it is about the the same kind of good you you'd find in a cult b-rated movie i mean it's just going to appeal to certain uh people and uh, it it just has such weird things in it you can't get anywhere else and that originality in and of itself uh, is appealing I mean, I, I, it was, it was enough for me to go back through and actually play all the way through on the second playthrough, but I had to go into it knowing that there was frustrations uh, there and being prepared for those, like having an FAQ right there at hand so my, my head didn't hit to the wall. Yeah, you're going to hit those situations in the combats where the angles are really tough that was you know the playstation days whether it was 3D or 2D there was just times where the camera you know for whatever reason uh, did not cooperate so it's definitely something you got to put on yeah. a backtrack ha- uh, hat to be able to tolerate
2: well i think yeah, that's like mike said though for, sorry
0: go ahead <laughs> uh, just for me that this is the kind of game where this is the ps1 trying to be the ps2 and failing in all kinds of ways the For PS, for PS2 game with actual 3D geometry, probably could have handled the gameplay a lot better. The graphics are trying to be better than the PS1 can really manage, so they end up looking kind of bad. If you ask me, I don't like the graphics very much in this game, and so it just doesn't work right. It would have been much better as a PS2 game, not as a PS1 game. Hmm. That one I'll definitely agree with. Although about
4: the graphics, I will say. Yeah, the game tries to do more than it can, but they still manage to look pretty good for the PlayStation.
0: Yes. Yeah, they, I, I will grant that. It looks pretty good for a PS1 game, as long as you're talking about 3D PS1 games with 300 backgrounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
4: there's, well, there's a little 3D PS1 games can look, and this is pretty much pushing it. Maybe Final Fantasy IX broke that limit.
1: Yeah, 3D PlayStation level. 1 games. I'm sorry. They just... It just hurt my eyes, especially some of the RPGs. Wild Arms, oh oh my gosh. <sighs> I, I would have been much happier with cutesy, Nint- beefed-up Super Nintendo graphics. Give me Final Fantasy VI. I'm just okay with that. <laughs> Anywho. As for the point, pl- I should
4: mention, looking through a fact, I realized, naturally, after I had already done this, that if I had gone back to Dryfield at a certain point, I could have rescued Pierce, who is some silly guy who has a crush on Haya and wants to run around in Dryfield and help her. But I got to him just a little too late, and he was a desiccated corpse on the top of the water tower.
2: There, there is something I wanted to ask for the people who did play two. Because I've only played Third Birthday, so this one particular character kind of baffles me a bit, and I had to read up on Parasite Eve 2 before I had played Third Birthday for review. Can somebody please explain the purpose of Kyle Madigan to me?
0: Okay, because their Birthday is...
2: does a crappy job at giving me any sort of idea of who the hell he is, why the hell Aya's marrying him, and he's kind of a douche.
0: Okay, I birthday. don't know why she'd marry him. I haven't beaten this game at all after all, but he's basically the mysterious private investigator investigating the same things as her. He keeps running into her, occasionally pointing a gun at her, occasionally having his arm set on fire by her. Um, oh, I don't he's just kind of being mysterious and weird as far as I've gotten in the game. And just vanishing on me, then showing up to be helpful other times. I don't know. I still want to beat in the game.
2: Well, that's far better than what Third Birthday gave me, so thank you, sir. Because, <laughs> oh. um, yeah, I know he's in the second game. I haven't encountered him yet. Um, But he's a particular character I have a problem with in Third Birthday. So I wanted to know if what I'm thinking about right now, it's the same in 2 in that what kind of a character he is. I don't know. I
0: find him just kind of unlikable myself.
2: Well, he's not likable in 3rd Birthday, so that's a good start.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 3rd Birthday seems to drag out the, both Kyle Madigan, who's just kind of myster- overly mysterious and kind of gruff and annoying in 2, but also pulls up Maeda, who's just kind of creepy and annoying in 1, and kind of combines them together and makes them worse from right here.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Kyle, just stop.
4: Kyle is there partially so that Aya has someone to react with, because otherwise she'd be reacting with uh, whats the face the guy who has a bum leg and this doesn't move around much in dry field. So without Kyle, there would be essentially nobody for her to talk to for a while. And he's just out there as a PI, and it really doesn't make sense as how Aya seems attracted to him at the start, but it's never played up too much, it's obvious there's something going on which seems kind of forced, but the game doesn't take it any further than that beyond stupid forging dialogue a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's basically it as far as as far as I've seen. Of course I went the route where safe save Pierce rather than go Madigan and the shelter, so I don't know, I'd probably missed out on a few scenes in my play. Yeah, if
4: I had saved Pierce, I gather that I would have seen a lot more of him in
0: the style. Yeah, it he helps it a lot he kinda of replaces this guy there's flirting with Aya. That's about it. Hmm.
2: So, in other words, he doesn't really add that much to the story, but he's there to sort of be, you know, a comfort stick for Aya yeah. when she has nobody to talk <laughs> it's to. More or less
0: designed to be the, ah, uh, what's the term? Ah, uh, never mind. The the kind of like the classic noir thing of the woman who's dangerous but helpful. I think it's designed to be the male version of that for Aya.
5: Hmm. Okay.
0: So,
4: and he does serve eight persons at the end when number nine, yes, the fiendish number nine who you would have seen already, Sam, he's the guy with the freaky laugh.
2: Yes, yes, I, I know of that character.
4: Yes, number nine is apparently on, working on behalf of the people who have been building this gigantic facility for Neatomyocondria research and is trying to restart Eve by... there's a clo- There's a young clone of Aya that they've been using for the whole search process in order to get her mitochondria to freak out other animals or whatever. And it turns out Kyle was working with him all along. Or was he? Because then Kyle shoots him and says, I was, tr- I was playing both sides. Or it, it doesn't matter much, but there's apparently reason to at the end. And also so that he can have his leg shot off by the, the orbital laser that the United States president has access to apparently.
2: Wow! But you can oh, think that... of all
3: sorts of weird things when you don't have a military.
2: <laughs>
3: True,
2: probably. So the, wow. the military
4: shot up golems, and I was fine with that. Anybody who's played <laughs> that knows golems are nasty.
1: Hmm. Okay, so we've done a pretty good job of going over this story, and we said everything we want to say about Bill. the characters. Hmm. Well, so there you, was one more you thing. You played to... through the whole thing. Oh. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Did anyone ever mention that she was uh, three years younger for some reason?
4: Hmm. Oh yeah, the, that was dropped in a little bit. Her mitochondria want to keep her at the ideal age as the ideal host. That was the explanation.
0: Yeah, yeah. so but I was basically just permanently, eternally. I thought
3: plot. it was more for the shower scene myself. But...
1: I was about to say, this is kind of leading somewhere and foreshadowing, but we're not going to go there. We're going to see a trend here forming. And it's not a pretty one, well, it is pretty, but not the kind of pretty we normally talk about in video games.
3: I don't know about you, but yeah, I do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, definitely I played through the whole thing. And uh, like I said, it was just it was weird and appealing in its own like I said like like uh the warriors appeals to me. You know, I mean the movie, you know, the movie. I mean, I showed it to my wife, she doesn't get it. Uh but it's just got it's just something you it's just a weird type of thing that you don't see anywhere else. I mean, everything from the shower scene to the uh, the the guy who's attacking around the buildings to i don't know it just kind of grew on me it's just really it's it's just a cult favorite i wouldn't recommend it to a lot of people at all i certainly wouldn't recommend it if you didn't like one because it's a it's worse in almost every way but it's it's worse in a b-rate movie way that you go back and you kind of laugh at it and you say that's weird and you you go through it again just to say wow that's really off the wall we used to play that i mean when you get when you play so many rpgs that are that are just these cookie cutter go and save the world in a medieval type of fantasy type of thing, and then you get something like this that's not only a different setting, but it's so it's so weird, it's just so off the wall. Um, it, it it propelled me through the uh, the bad the bad gameplay and the weird incoherent story that I never made heads or tails of. But but then again,
4: well, it was, it was very simple, Phil. There was a, an extra governmental group trying to. Simply evolve humanity, and yes, that's the the totally wrong use of evolution. Mutate, but never mind. Trying to turn people into their next form makes perfect sense in Bond movie fashion. Exciting to see a guy who's derived from Blofeld in there stroking a cat behind the scene.
1: <laughs> Um, so, hmm, all righty. Um, anything else detailed, any of you want to talk about before we wrap it up? I'll take... No,
2: not really. <laughs>
1: I'll take that as a no. All right. Oh, oh, oh yes, I, I, I come up with something. Lots of
4: stretches in dry field like to spring exactly one chord on you of music, and it will be repeated over and over and over and over until you are sick of
5: it. <laughs>
1: Alright, so let's give this the 30-second wrap-up. Who would like to start? I know, Mr. Minky, go. Having finished the game, I can appreciate it in an abstract
4: way from a great distance. I refuse to ever pick it up and play it again. I know that I could because it does have the New Game Plus feature. I'm not going to. The only way I would do it is if someone paid me for the privilege, and I don't see that happening. Um,
1: okay, cool. Uh how about you miss uh Marshmallow?
2: I played 2 hours of it.
1: How are those 2 hours?
2: I don't like <laughs> it. I don't like it. <laughs> don't like
0: it. <laughs> <sighs> Mr. Nathan. Well, uh this game has very a large number of obvious issues, but that said it actually has some genuine horror to it so fans of horror as long as you know you're okay with it being bloodless horror uh, that's you might like it. Also, just for me, I enjoy the resource, whole limited ammo, limited MP, limited HP, all that kind of, trying to balance those and survive with those resources. I enjoy that gameplay. This game's actually kind of good at that. But yeah, it's got a lot of things to turn you off of it, so buyer beware.
1: And I have to echo a lot of what you said there, Nathan. I mean, I enjoy uh games for in RPGs more for the mechanics than anything else the weird story uh setting that it's all wrapped into uh, was also a draw for me um, even though it's completely <laughs> off the wall and It doesn't make sense It's like an old B-Rate movie You just want to curl up and watch again um, When nobody else understands why you like it so much um, uh, It would be very hard for me to, to give that to give that as a recommendation To a friend uh, or anybody else Definitely go If you're listening to this And any of this sounds interesting Go back and play one first If you really like one Understand that in many ways Two is a step in the wrong direction As far as gameplay is concerned uh, However it's a step in the right direction Direction as far as weirdness and off the wallness, and you will get to, uh, you will get some enjoyment if you are like Nathan and I, and you enjoy managing your resources and and uh, getting through things that that are hard for no darn good reason, <laughs> I guess. huh, <laughs> Mr. Mister Tidwell, I didn't want to leave you out. Is there anything you want to contribute?
3: I was one of the people who reviewed it, and I reviewed it. It was a disappointment, so that hasn't changed in the least.
1: Okay, so. Mr. Tidwell's disappointed, and I don't blame him. All right, we're going to take a brief moment, listen to some hopefully not disappointing music, and we'll be right back to wrap up our talk with a little birthday present. Parasite Eve, the third birthday. This is really... Yeah, no, no, let me read the stats first before I get derailed. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh... <laughs> Alright, Parasite Eve... Well, it doesn't actually have the word Parasite Eve in the title. The third birthday is uh, developed by Hexadrive. There's a name you know and love. Published by Square Enix. Uh, this was released on the uh, PSP in North America on March ninth, 2011. This is an action RPG rated... <laughs> rated in for mm-mm good or mm bad. Well, come on now, now. Now, this is... <laughs> Okay, you know, sometimes when people have a birthday, they get a really big cake that has a woman hidden inside of it who's taking off her clothes, right, Sam? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's what guy is like, so doesn't it make sense to put it in a video game and call it a birthday present? Worst birthday ever. (laughs) So Sam is the only one on our panel who is actually brave enough to actually play the game. I read her review as well as among another, a few of them and decided not to play it. So tell me, tell me, uh, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> tell us why we shouldn't play the third birthday, Sam. Why don't you start off with this stellar um, storyline well, that has to do with another Christmas, oh, first right? Off,
2: uh, it made me an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Best Christmas ever, you know. The Tower of Babel has erected itself in Manhattan, and oh my god, the demons are coming, and they're all twisted, and they're all like, oh my god, we want to kill you all, and then everybody's fleeing from New York again, because nobody gets sick of that scene. Okay, well,
1: that's not so... But
2: Sam, since the last game was made, 9-11
4: happened, so now, is there any 9-11 reference imagery in this game?
2: I... Don't remember, I think so because it takes place in twenty uh, 2012 that's the, the 9
4: there always so hateful, there's probably sure.
2: there probably was I wasn't paying too much attention because the story of this game um is like flicking turds. It's just so dumb that you just want to cry as you play it because the story just gets dumber and dumber by the second let's also add the fact that it's one of the most incomprehensible messes you will ever play um the premise itself starts out fine it's what they do to the character of aya that really destroys a lot of the game um i'm one of the first people to admit this is probably the most sexist game i have ever played and i have never been more uncomfortable to be a woman while playing this game
1: now now sam you're probably just being a little oversensitive What, what do you mean it's sexist
2: The treatment of Aya's character presented by the game directors, presented by the other characters in the story, is absolutely disgusting. I'm sorry, but you created a female character who people really, really liked in the first two games. So why do you feel the need to make her pretty much rape bait throughout the whole game? Ouch. I have a huge problem with that. I don't like how this game made me feel to be a woman. Video games should not be doing that to me. Yes, I've encountered sexism throughout lots and lots of games. Most of the time it's just funny titty humor and we all laugh because it's like haha big boobs or haha big butt and we enjoy it. And I'm the first to openly admit, no, I'm not a lesbian, but I find women attractive, and I have no problem saying what I think is attractive about them. But when you get to the point where you feel the need to add things like clothing damage just to titillate... <laughs> you're a pig. <laughs>
1: clothing damage. So, like, so yeah. from what I... Un- its like you're describing a Cinemax plot. So, from what I... Uh, yeah, I Cinemax plot. So, from what I understand, the more damage Aya takes, the more clothes she loses, Which, I mean, honestly, Sam, is that really so bad? I mean, how many times have I said in an RPG, wow, look at that, he's down to one hit point, and, you know, his clothing is in perfect condition, there's no blood, there's no bruises. That's, holy cow, I mean, this is realism, right? This is what we've been
2: asking for? Yeah, clearly, because I really want to look at Aya's naked ass throughout the whole game. (laughs) That's a great idea. Let's look at her thong while she runs around New York In a skimpy little outfit going, oh my god, they're chasing me, I have to overdive to kill them all. No, that's not realism, that's you being a pig. And then to make matters worse, let's have Aya running around in a bunny costume, or how about Santa Slut? Does does it like uh, (laughs) a Santa (laughs) Slut? No, you can do that. One of the costumes you unlock is her in a Mrs. Claus outfit, but it's so skimpy that you can pretty much see up her outfit. Nice. Where can I get this?
1: Anyway, so uh, so is it like uh, you use a healing pack and suddenly all of her clothes pop back on?
2: No, you have to actually, when you go to um, different markers in the game, like you'll have points where there are, there are complete safe zones. Mm-hmm. So in the safe zones, you can go and repair her clothes and it's fine. And then, you know, it restores her clothing, but you can just restore damage through like health items like you can recover your health, but it doesn't repair her clothes. It doesn't repair the
1: clothing.
2: <laughs> so that's kind of annoying. Um oh, goodness. you know, I'm sounding very harsh towards this game, but that's because you know, I think Square Enix went in complete wrong direction with this game. You know, for a sequel to Parasite Eve 1 and 2, there are better ways to go about it, but instead they they created a male cast of characters who treat Ile like garbage throughout the game. And me as a woman, I'm sorry, but how do you think I'm supposed to feel? I I can't relate to this woman when she's being pretty much demoted to a child. Now, there's a reason for that because the game has decided that you've actually been playing 12 year old Eve the whole game.
1: 12 year old Yes. So
2: even though Aya looks like she's a sexy, you know, 25 year old sort of deal, Uh she's actually baby Eve. She's little Eve trapped in an adult body. So parts of how yeah. Aya becomes so submissive in her personality probably is attributing to that. Needless to say, having that spoiler come at the very end of the game just makes the situation worse. Wow, that just hurts my head to even contemplate it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think had this sort of a uh, spoiler had been like kind of hinted at a little bit earlier on i would have felt a little bit better with the story but instead i felt far more uncomfortable with that scene particularly coming up just because again the way the male characters treat her they they treat her like she's a child they treat her like she's just a sexy little girl they like maida in particular like somebody argued with me on the forums that um maida's always been a pervert yes maida's always been a pervert but you don't go around saying like oh my god i love the way you overdive um it sounds very sexual to the point where he sounds like he wants to rape her now i'm blaming part of that on the voice actor the voice actor was really crappy and he was very good at making me feel like he was trying to rape Aya. That being said, I don't think Meta actually wanted to do that. <laughs> but the game's dialogue also doesn't present itself in a very positive light, in the slightest. Like the localization itself, in terms of like let's say grammar and stuff, is fine. Whatever. Um, the story makes no sense, so I applaud them for trying to make sense of it in the first place. But the reality is that you know what? You're taking a female character that's beloved by a lot of female gamers, and you're slapping her. Like, sorry to swear, but. That's exactly what happened. I felt like a character that I enjoyed as a child was being pooped on to the point where she was completely unrecognizable.
1: And, and that's a real shame because, I mean, definitely, like as I mentioned before, when you play the first Parasite Eve, I mean, from the very beginning, Aya established herself as a, as a, as a very strong female character. Um, you know, right from the get-go, and she's always taking the lead. She's going forth in a danger. She's very self-confident, and, and it's definitely a, a likable character for both men and ladies alike. And then to do that really does come across as disturbing no matter how you, you, you put a spin on it.
2: Well, and and that's just it. I mean, I wasn't the only female reviewer who had this problem. And if you actually go look at a lot of the reviews for Third Birthday, um, the majority of the female reviewing community, community actually sided with me and thought that um, it was just a disgusting thing that, you know, Square Enix decided to do to take a character that people like and just make her completely unrecognizable. Mm. Um, A lot of people were really upset with that. Like the biggest complaint with this game is its story, um, how Aya is treated, the, the clothing damage. This is all stuff that didn't need to be presented the way that it did. But someone at Screenix apparently thought this was a great idea and that people would enjoy it. Yes, if I was a man, I'm sure I would love, you know, Aya just flaunting around naked on the screen. But I'm not. <laughs> because I have a little bit more class. Well... Okay? It- I like boobs as much as the next person. But I'm sorry, I didn't want to spend the whole 19 hours on that game watching Aya's naked ass and her almost popping out boobs and then that being called realism. Yeah. Like Potose should be absolutely ashamed of himself for saying in interviews that this is realism. There's uh, you know there's
1: a fine line between uh presenting sexuality which is a part of everyday life and is definitely a part of the entertainment industry uh that's undeniable. Uh and coming across totally um, I don't know what the word is off the top of my head, inappropriately or in a way that's very condescending to, to uh, you know, the, the female gender. It, it's just wrong. Uh, yeah, uh, that's just kind of creepy, the way you kind of put that out there.
4: yeah. I know exactly how battle damage could be done realistically. You, you see blood, you see pain. That would be realistic. I might accept that, but you don't see that, right? You just see her clothes popping off.
2: You just see parts of it shutting off as she gets hit. Like and here's yeah, the, the thing with the yeah, here's the thing with the gameplay. There is really good ideas here with the overdive system in terms of Aya being able to just uh jump from body to body, right? She'll always have ammo because she can just jump to another body that's nearby, use up the ammo there, jump to a different person. So in that regard, it's really cool that you can ha- you have this body swapping mechanic along with um, you know, her liberation skills which are are fairly similar to the ones in the first Parasite, from what I understand. Um, you know, she's got a lot of unique skills that she can use in battle, and for the most part, like, she doesn't control like a brick. That being said, this game's camera is very much like the other two games it's atrocious, you will fight with it. And there is an auto-targeting system, which is partially what actually messes up the camera a lot. In some cases, you'll be targeting one enemy, and then out of nowhere, it'll just decide to target something else because the enemy decided to move slightly closer to the one you're already attacking. So it'll just shift. Meanwhile, it's like, no, I want to attack the one enemy I was currently working on killing. Then I will move to the other one. But the game decides it likes to flip-flop everything. So I found that really annoying at times. But otherwise... I have not a lot of beef with the gameplay. The customization is pretty good in this game um there's lots of unique weapons. Uh, to be honest, those aspects were I was okay with for the most part um I didn't think there was any we have wrong. a couple
4: we have at least one person on the forums who got addicted to the gameplay and nothing else
2: yeah, and I can see how people can get addicted to it like the um the way that you upgrade is that you um, you use Aya's brave points and you can spend it on new weapons and upgrades. And as it goes on, you can upgrade like the range or the type of shot that's going into each of the ammo. But what makes it even more interesting is that you have installation chips for the overdive um, energy. So you can f- basically take the DNA from the chips and just kind of mix and match what you want to do like do you want to make Aya more of a defensive character do you want her to have more health do you want her to be able to run faster like you can manipulate it any way that you want which is really nice um there's there's a lot of customization in this game um which makes it just downright fun to play with um again the gameplay is actually one of the least things I have an issue with other than the camera which my goodness was so god awful at times I mean, you know, it's funny you guys talk about the final bosses in the previous two games, uh, and Third Birthday follows the same kind of suit in terms of, you know, not being able to entirely see everything or being chased by something. Um, the final I boss fight...
4: Second one. It was easy.
2: Well, I was going to say, it sounds like two was not as bad, but in three... um, The final boss, I think, took me two or three tries, and that was just because I had moments with the camera where... I was getting hit and I was getting pretty frustrated. Now, I did mention before we started this that their birthday turned me into an alcoholic. Um, I think I was in the staff chat, actually, the day that I was working on the end of the review, and I think I specifically said, someone give me a beer because this game is trying to break my brain. Um, The funny thing was that my wonderful and darling boyfriend, husband, whatever you want to call him, gave me a beer. (laughs) He said that, because the ending of this game makes absolutely no sense, and when you learn that you've been playing Eve the whole time, it kind of makes your brain go like, huh? What? Ew.
1: Everything makes more sense with beer.
2: No, so that was what I did. I, I downed a couple beers and was like, okay, now it makes perfect sense. Yay for beer. Beer fixes everything. Um, there is a few other things I could complain about. Uh, Kyle Madigan, I had a big problem with um first off, he comes across like a utter douchebag in this game second of all the person who voice acts him is jensen ackles from supernatural and one of my biggest complaints is that he forgot to play kyle madigan half the time throughout the game Um, if you're familiar with supernatural the favorite thing is that he screams out like sammy sam because he's always screaming about his brother um Pretty much, you could replace any time he screamed Aya with Sam and it was like watching an episode of Supernatural, which is really stupid. (laughs) Um, But I don't know how many times I did that (laughs) listening to his voice, because it was like, oh, hey, it's Dean Winchester.
4: um, Hmm?" Third birthday incorporates voice acting, where the first two didn't. Aside from... Yeah, just just different with
2: it. The voice acting is atrocious. Um, You got a bunch of famous people doing the voices. Um, for an example, uh, Aya is voiced by uh, Yvonne Strahovski, who she is best known for being on the show Chuck. She's the sexy blonde agent from Chuck. Um, and she's also Miranda Lawson from Mass Effect 2. Um, she kind of plays the role really flat. Um, Aya has almost like no personality with, this, like, with the voice that uh, Strahovski has given her. Um, it's to the point where it's too one-dimensional, um, and she actually makes Aya almost unlikable. Almost to the point where like the voice itself lends to the fact that Aya's already being mistreated, so the naiveness of her version just really adds insult to inju- injury in that case. It's like she, she makes Aya sound so submissive to the point where it's like, wow, yeah, Aya, just go out and get raped. That's a great idea. So it's just like the performance didn't help make the character better. When it really should have done that. Then there was Kyle Madigan. I already went into that. He he was Jensen Ackles. Um, there's a few other famous voices. Pardon? Maida is, Maeda is Maeda one of the only. He's one of the only voice actors I don't recognize, and I'm not familiar with. His voice actor was utterly creepy, and I didn't like it. Like in terms of just how I felt, like I I felt like there was like hands touching me, and it was really grody. So every time he talked, well, I was kinda like, like ew, 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 creepy doctor man, ew, um I don't like that feeling. The question is, the question <laughs> he was the, was the real that a good horror of the performance? Game. Okay, in terms so of how he made me of a feel script. Okay, his horrible performance probably came more from the script than um how he actually acted it. Um because the script, like I said, really heightens the sexual content that really kinda shouldn't be there. But it does heighten it and Mada's character in particular really exaggerates a lot of the, the sexual lines to the point where they could easily be misinterpreted. I know when I played it, um, he made me feel very uncomfortable. um, Uncomfortable in a good way because he was creepy. Uncomfortable in a bad way because he's a freaking pig. So, like, I was kind of 50-50 on him. I didn't like a lot of the lines that they gave him. Because a lot of the lines really suggested that he was trying to, you know, have sex with Aya. Which is, okay, all well and good, but I'm sorry, like, you're a creepy doctor man and she's a hot blonde. It's not happening, dude. She's already boning man again. At least that's what the game implies. So, you know, I don't hate his character. I don't like the way he's presented in the game, especially considering in the the first game, you know, he's creepy and creepy with good reason whereas in third birthday i find that his reasoning for being creepy is really unwarranted so that should give you some idea of how i felt there was a voice that was kind of uh that was actually quite good which was um trying to remember her name now um gabrielle the character was gabrielle Monasang she's like a special investigator that you meet throughout the game and she's voiced by melinda hill who is best known as oh no i got her confused sorry um the person i was thinking of is where is she is molly quinn who is from the show castle she is castle's daughter and she plays eve brea and her voice was actually quite good um <laughs> she she, because again, Eve is really young, probably about like, I want to say like she was close to about t- 10 or 12. Um, the vulnerability was good. The way that she um, made the character very believable for the most part was great. It was when you counteracted it with um, the other voice actress doing aya that you could notice like a significant difference between the voices and how one sounded one performance sounded incredibly flat, and the other one sounded very vulnerable. So I actually quite liked her performance as Eve, but she, she was not paired with somebody to, that good enough to be Aya. Like, I thought Yvonne's performance was absolutely atrocious. So say that what you will. I mean, I changed to the, I mean, I didn't know if you could change to the Japanese voice acting. Like, somebody please correct me on that, but had I known I could, I probably would have. I just didn't like a lot of the voice acting. But I think part of the voice acting came from the script as well. Whereas a lot of the performances were very deadpanned and quite dull, so I do think that has something to do with the script. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, yes, Nathan, it's Miranda's voice, and we all know how much I love Miranda.
0: Yeah, just mm, no. I think I've purposely said a few team.
2: times that I've tried to kill Miranda in Mass Effect 2, because that's how much I hate her. I suppose um, it's
0: really hard too, which is kind of a shame.
2: I know. Stupid Miranda. But, um, one thing I'm going to give credit to this game, even though the voice acting is weak, the soundtrack is brilliant. I love the soundtrack in this game. Like, you know, it just really got you pumped up to want to battle some of these twisted. And, I don't know, like, I just felt very into what I was doing. So, like I said, while I rag on the story and I rag on the characters, um and i rag on how i personally felt about it i'm not going to deny that the, this game is first off the most beautiful looking psp I've, game i've ever seen and i'm not going to deny that the soundtrack is one of the best i've heard in a long time like those two things alone like having this really gorgeous game to look at kind of made the pain of oh my god i really hate how uncomfortable this game makes me feel go away at times but it still wasn't enough um like and Considering the other two Parasite Eve games have not aged aged terribly well. This is one that actually looks really nice on the PSP screen and you're gonna sit there and go, Oh my god, pretty graphics, you're so pretty. Um, it's really great to look at. Um Aya looks phenomenal throughout the game. Um, just the way that they do the cutscenes, like everything looks really, really good. It's just when you understand what's going on in the story, it makes those it undermines how beautiful those cutscenes really are. <laughs> So I I wanted to like this game, and that's the thing I think that I had a hard time with when I was reviewing this game was that I saw potential in things like the combat system, the soundtrack, and the visuals, but it was too hard for me to ignore what the story was doing to a character I liked as a teen girl. It was very hard for me to accept that, and I'm sure for other girls who like this series, they probably felt Mostly the same way I would say. I mean, I've talked to a few of few of my girlfriends who like love Parasite Eve, and they were unhappy with the treatment of Ayas character. So, I think that this series really should have ended it too, and they really should never have bothered to resurface it. I mean, it's amazing what the PSP can do in terms of like the combat engine that was provided in the game, in terms of the graphics. I'm not going to fault the game for that because those are some of the best parts. But I can't recommend this game two people who are fans of the Parasite Eve series because the things that they would expect from the series are mostly not there. I mean, in terms of the story, yeah, the convolutedness, yeah, that's still there. Um, but this game likes to make you feel even stupider half the time because it doesn't even know what the heck it's trying to do. I mean, I, I wrote in my review and I think this quote is absolutely perfect for what this game represents and that's the basis of shame is not a per- some personal mistake of ours, but that it- this humiliation is seen by everyone, um, which is quoted by Czech author Miljan Kurunja, And I think this quote perfectly encapsulates the experience I had with Third Birthday. I was forced to witness Aya's entire humiliation, and I felt sorry for her. And you know what? I'm sorry, but we've come from an age where we've had really strong female heroines. There is no excuse for this. So that that's my spiel on third birthday. I just I can't recommend it to people. Um I mean if you really, really desperately want to play play it, go for it. But I know for me personally, I don't think I could ever stomach it again without probably wanting to break my PSP in half. And yeah. Any questions?
4: You didn't really need any help. You summed up the whole game on your own very well.
0: I,
2: fig- I figured I would. <laughs> um
0: Uh, okay, quick question about the music. Yes. Does any of the kind of musical themes, like melodies and such from the original game show up in that? Because I really liked those.
2: Yes. Um, Ah, in fact, the, all the wedding flashbacks that you get are rearranged themes from, um, some of the other games. Actually, you'll, you'll have a lot of rearranged songs. So, um, it's, it's a really good soundtrack just because it, it does show a lot of variety in the new tracks, but then they have a lot of the, uh, the old tracks just remixed, so the soundtrack is is stellar it's i I thought it was one of the best parts of the game
0: that's good to hear at least something's good about that apparently
2: <laughs> well, the soundtrack is good, and the visuals are good i'm like I said it's probably the most beautiful looking p s p game I've ever played, like even just the in-game graphics when you're over diving into bodies and stuff it it's mind blowing how gorgeous it looks, so like if anything, they did that right. Um, and like I said, the gameplay, when you get used to it, it's not so bad. It really isn't. It's just, why would you want to continue to play this game when, like, it makes everything feel so pointless? So, yeah, I
0: can understand that feeling. I've yeah. And there are some games I wanted to like, and then just, yeah. Oh, I can just imagine how it, it could have been better. Why well, and that's be just
2: Oh, well, and that's just it. I mean, I think, I mean, I think. When this was announced for localization, I think even everybody was rolling their eyes because at this point it was like, you know, this series has been MIA for so long, like, who the hell cares, right? And what could they possibly do to make this story even more convoluted? And somehow they one-up themselves by making it a real awful convoluted mess <laughs> compared to the last two games. So if anything, they did that right. <laughs> I just, like I said, you know... I don't want people to feel that, like, I'm here crusading on the feminist train. I'm not. I'm just thinking that in terms of what the potential third birthday have, had, I mean, there was no reason for what we got, is what I'm thinking. Um. So, yeah, third birthday, Um. I gave it a 2.5 out of 5. That being said, it probably should have been, like, a 2 if I had just went off on the story, but because we have other subcategories, I was a little bit nicer in those other subcategories. I don't know. It was interesting to play this one and then compare it to also playing Artanelico Koga, which was also another game that I have severe issues with in terms of how the female characters are treated, but that's for a different day and a different time.
4: That one won't be happening for a little while.
2: That's okay. But I can already tell it's like I, like I said, to everybody who was offended by my review, I'm sorry. I still stand by how I feel. Um, You can defend that horrible story, how the men treat Aya all you want, but it's not going to change my opinion because you know what? If you think that that's an acceptable way to treat a female heroine, you have problems. And I stand by that. You know what? We've come a long way. We should not be taking a woman that we ap- appreciated years ago and putting her in this type of crap and telling her to go play in the mud because she's just not special anymore. So I, yeah, I just, like I said, I don't like this game at all. I don't like how it made me feel. Um, It makes me actually appreciate that they're the first game just a little bit more. (laughs) so
1: fair enough well uh speaking of coming a long way we've come a long way from parasite eve one up to the third birthday we're going to take a little bit of a breather thank you so much for that exhaustive insight into the third birthday um, i'm so sorry it apparently wasn't a good birthday for you um and many other people who are playing it and uh, so we're going to take a brief respite and we'll be right back right after this musical selection Welcome back. We're ready to wrap this up with The Final Lap. Mr. Minky, did we have some comments about our last show? Which happened, uh, I think that had to deal with a lot of Final Fantasy tactics and stuff. We
4: did. First you chimed in to everybody who helped you on the Advance, please. And storm appeared to say that if the decision was anything other than playing Final Fantasy Tactics in Advance on GB8 and avoiding FDFTA 2 then that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And Wheels came along and fixed that to say that also playing the DS Final Fantasy Tactics Advance was correct. Just Doug came along to say that it was a shame Beowulf got no love, that he was used just as much as Sid. and apparently hacking 50 brave points off of an enemy in one go was exactly what Beowulf was good for. And not having used Beowulf, I can't say.
0: Beowulf was awesome.
4: Mm-hmm. And then Roast, Storm said that Bale was worth getting. Cloud is the overly useless special character of the lot. Kiji Bardigam, however that is pronounced, I never bothered to learn, says that yes, Cloud can be powerful, but he starts at level one and is restricted to using a lame sword. So it sounds like what we more or less concluded that the Cloud was not worth acquiring remains true.
5: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
4: And that's about it. Honestly, I'm a little surprised we haven't gotten more commentary on
1: have the Tactics Podcast Interesting <laughs> Okay <laughs> Alright Well um, We do like to hear Y'all's comments We expect to hear Lots about Parasite Eve So rush over to Board.rpgamer.com and sign up on our forums if you're not already signed up as a member. You should be ashamed of yourself. And write lots and lots of comments. Show us the love on Parasite Eve or the hate for the third birthday or, <laughs> uh, or anything like uh, lines. Your consternation is the second one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Hey, let's take a few minutes to plug some things. Who wants to plug something tonight? Let's start with Miss Sam. Anything you're working on? Anything you want to share with the world? Is my mic working? Am I all alone here? Or is she on mute?
2: I'm, I'm here, I'm
5: here.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry I, I
2: was on mute because I was trying to be a nice lady and not type with the mute button off. Very um, I would like to try to get back into reviewing again. Unfortunately my personal life has not made it very easy to do so. Um, I am scheduled to review Dungeon Defenders, which I've heard is really fun to a lot of people, so I'm looking forward to trying that out when I do. And I've got Batman Arkham City, and I just keep cuddling it, and I want to play it so badly, but I don't have time. And also, Tintin is a great movie, and if you haven't read the comic books, read them. They are awesome. Hmm. Fair enough.
4: For me, it's not as good as Rage of the Lost Ark, say. Still. It's in the same neighborhood.
2: It's the Indiana Jones movie. Like, it's the fourth Indiana Jones movie the way it should have been. That's how I feel. Actually, Sam, I, I
4: think Temple of Doom was the worst of them.
2: Ew, I thought Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was really bad. I'll take Temple of Doom over that one. Well,
1: <laughs> All right. Weird,
4: yeah, but anyway.
1: Mr.,
2: uh, Mr.
1: Michael, is there anything you want to pip to our vast audience?
4: fortune
3: street
1: fortune street the mario ga- oh, get
3: well, out i have played ididaki street like totally on my psp and i'm so happy to have it in english
1: oh psp no For- oh, i'm thinking of a different game then what, what's it's what's the
3: mario dragon quest puzzle game or not puzzle game um board game board game on a psp yeah. no the, the one i played first was on psp that was final fantasy and dragon uh, quest uh, this is mario and dragon quest
1: i would recommend Cold sept have you played Cold sept
3: yeah, I wasn't too hot on it.
1: I loved Call Set, man. I, I'm more about having some strategy in my randomness. I really, there's really, a lot
3: of strategy in Fortune Street.
1: Man, I really didn't care much for Mario Party; it was too random. Some guy not
3: Mario Party, though.
1: Yeah, I know, but it, looking at the reviews and stuff, and watching the gameplay, it, you know, it's less like Mario Party. It's not not all the way out there, but if it is too much more like Monopoly, I, I don't know. From what I saw, what makes it different than Monopoly?
3: Uh, there's a stock market and you can buy out properties. So what happens is, you, you know, you always get the two and you can't get the third or the fourth one because someone else bought it and you just kind of sit there and do nothing. In this one, you land on it, you can buy
1: it. But what if somebody else has already bought it?
3: You buy it for them for a higher, you buy it from them for a higher price. It's not a negotiation. It's you just out buy them. So then suddenly you have three and then you can raise your property values and everything.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if a lot of people play Monopoly the way it's supposed to be, but in, in regular Monopoly, if you land on a property, you either have to buy it or it goes up for auction. And, no, no, no,
3: yeah. In this – but in uh, – this is after it's bought. So like all the properties have been bought, you can still buy more properties. Hmm. hmm. So if you have one of my four, and I have the other three, mm-hmm. and I land on it, I pay you X number of gold, and I just take it.
1: Ah, uh. I like cult better where if you landed on my property, you could get it, but you had to beat me in a battle and you had and it was it had a poker element to it because you can kind of see each other's cards because you're both playing on the same television screen but you never because the cards were so limited uh you couldn't go spamming your attack and defense cards all over the place uh you there was always a bit of a poker element you didn't know if that guy was going to play his attack card necessitating the need for you to use your defense card so there was an element of is this property really worth fighting over and certainly the the property that some guy pumped up to the max was definitely going to be a battle um, so I mean you saved up your best cards for if you landed on their boardwalk or per place or something but the idea that someone could just come and plunk down enough money to buy my boardwalk out they've already pumped up without no, a you fight out,
3: well yeah but my problem is, is like, if you do that so you, you start building up a property it gets much much more expensive and it's harder to do you have to pay five times its value so if you start pumping it up people don't have the money to buy it out mm. you buy out the cheap ones that no one's touching so if you hadn't raised yours at all then it's easy. But if you raise it enough, then it probably costs me like three, 4,000 gold. I don't have that much.
1: And you're playing that on what system? Is that the Wii? On the Wii. Wii, okay. All right, fair enough. Are you playing it uh, solo or with other people?
3: Both. I play some solo because there's a tour to do, but I also play it um, online with other people.
1: All right, may i have to check it out. Mr. Minky. Yep. Well, let's see
4: here. I'm I just blush it. Actually, I did a Lethal weapon a or I've seen most of these in a long time. The third one is the worst of them.
5: Uh-huh.
4: It's, the first one is a, a great buddy cop movie. If all buddy cop movies were at this level, then the buddy cop movie wouldn't have been played out years ago. And Mel Gibson and Danny Glover just work great together. And it has a great Gary Bukes bad guy. And the second one has those evil South Africans who are lovely, outdated now, but they're just so evil, you can't help but love to see them and get their ones. And the fourth one, well, that has the ridiculous spectacle of Mel Gibson, Danny Glover managing to beat up Jet Lee, but it somehow manages to work anyway. And, keeping up with my riff tracks, of course. So, uh, yes, the Karate Kid 3 riff tracks, where you get to see a young Ralph Macchio yammer and yammer and yammer and yammer, and, yammer and as they say, inspire a very young Shia LaBeouf to act with that performance. Uh, Game-wise, I just played and reviewed something that apparently no one on the site has ever heard of called Seventh Cross Evolution, which is a Dreamcast title where you are a creature that beats up everything in a small pond until it can finally move out of there and eventually learn... Actually, I shouldn't spoil it because we're not doing a backtrack on it, technically, but uh, all of the plot comes at the end of the game. There is absolutely no plot until the end, and I'm being serious here. Mm -hmm. You're just a creature... Fighting and eating everything in its
1: path. Ah. Cool, 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 cool. Alrighty, and let's see here. Who haven't I? Uh,
0: Nathan. Um, I'm never really up to too much. Well, but i well, I'm gonna be trying to review the Spiderweb Software game *Avernum: Escape from the pitch for the site soon. Ooh. Um, it's really old school and still has characteristics of when I first encountered it as Exile way back when Mm -hmm. as an old shareware game but Mm -hmm. I'm actually enjoying the game a bit and it's nice actually going to actually play through this game I first touched a version of long ago and been enjoying it and fun even though it's definitely got a few issues here and there and shows it's low budget but I'm just struggling to find time to play considering I'm so obsessed with some other fun games that have cut hold of me like we in Factory 3 lately. <laughs>
1: it's been fun. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, let's see here. Um, I didn't actually get nearly as much time to play on my little bit of a vacation that I had, uh, as I had uh, hoped. Um, I actually played a, a bit of Morrowind. Wow, those old school graphics. Whew. That was borderline what I, what my eyes are willing to take in uh, as far as 3D goes. But from a distance, it all looks really good anyways. But when you get up close, it's hideously ugly. I'm, I guess I'm spoiled with the newer graphics. Um, and let's see here. And looking at a ton – I had a whole bunch of – boy, they had a lot of good sales on Steam. Uh, started uh, Bastion. That's really cute. Didn't you play that one, Sam? Sam? Uh,
2: no, I did not. Oh. I've I've played maybe – I don't know, the demo? That was about it. Yeah, it seems kind of
1: cute. Um, I played it for a little bit over an hour. I'm not so hooked that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I know some people have got it up as their RPG of the year, but maybe I need more than an hour for it to grow on me. The whole narrator thing is 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 kind of, um, oh, what's the word? It seems more like a gimmick to me than anything else. Yeah, it's kind of cute, but it's not revolutionary. It's not like, oh, wow, this really adds to my experience, but maybe that's just me. Mm, we'll see. Let me play some more. Played a lot of Magic: The Gathering, 2012. I like that game, and uh, Civ four and five. So didn't do too much RPGs though. I should have played some of. The, speaking of uh, spiderweb RPGs, I really should have uh, brought my uh, uh, iPad and played some more of um, uh, that one game I got on the iPad. Oh my gosh, what was it? Avidon? Thank you, Abaddon. So, have had they put any other games on the iPad yet? Do you know?
0: Uh, they're gonna put a Vernum on it, I think, but that's gonna come sometime this spring, I think.
2: Mm.
1: I played a bit of sequence as well. y'all heard of sequence? Nobody Vaguely. Vaguely. <laughs> It's is
2: that... it's
1: RPG meets dance dance revolution. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's that that's what I thought it was. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's um it's pretty bare bones. Um there's not uh, much of a story, though the dialogue is a is, is definitely kinda witty and funny at times uh but there's not a whole whole lot of plot you're just trying to get up this tower for god only knows what reason but you, you battle a lot and uh in order to battle you're basically doing dance dance revolution you got three different screens i think one's for attack one's for defense and the other ones to beef up your uh magic points when you deplete them so um you're kind of watching all three screens but of course you can only uh Tap on one at a time, so you gotta watch your defense screen to see when the monster's going to attack and then flip over to that screen and quickly you know do the notes and and very much like dancing on revolution except you're doing it with a keyboard. I imagine you could probably somehow finagle this to a mat somehow and, and dance all over the room while you're doing it um <coughs> It definitely is a little bit on the the grindy side. Uh, to where, in order to go uh, to get the decent uh, weapons and armor, you got to collect parts from monsters, which means you got to beat them over and over again because there's a drop rate. It, at least it's transparent, unlike certain other games. Uh, Valkyrie Profile 2 comes to mind, where, <laughs> where you, you, at least this game shows you exactly what you need and what percentage chance you have of each monster dropping it, so you know exactly what you need to do in order to get what you need. Um, but it still doesn't... Uh, it still doesn't change the fact that you still have to beat up the same monsters over and over again and so you have to really like dance dance revolution and be somebody who can get the the beat of a music down pretty well because otherwise you end up failing a lot and that's no fun especially when you're trying to cast a spell and you have to uh you have to do a certain combination of uh fingers to cast that spell uh or certain uh so so long of a song like I have to do like five beats in a row or 10 beats in a row, uh, depending on the spell. And uh, if you fail any one of those, the whole spell fizzles. So interesting, different, and totally worth the 99 cents. I think I paid on steam for it during the sale. (laughs) Ah, yay for steam sales. Whew. Alrighty. Well, I want to thank all of y'all for hanging on and doing this Parasite Eve backtrack this evening, Mr. Mickey, as always, for the hard work you employ in putting this all together it's absolutely wouldn't happen without you I assure you um, <laughs> uh, let's see here hmm. so RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer, your source for RPG news impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net, write your questions and comments on our boards or email Servant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows, don't forget to follow us on twitter.com slash rpgamer become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer And do us a favor, jump on iTunes, leave us some comments. We love comments. I check them like once every few months. Um, Hey, wait a minute, didn't we have, yeah, no one even did that, huh? We had a little contest going last time. I still haven't gotten any responses for that. Hmm. Oh, well, everyone's lost. Um, As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show, RPGCast, all at rpgamer.com. Mr. Mike, please put us to bed.
4: First, nucleus rebel. Then, the ribosomes went rogue. Now, the mitochondria in your cells have come to life. It's organelles. You see, this time it's personal. The mitochondria have learned from their friends, and the old methods don't work on them now. This
5: summer, the combustion is no longer spontaneous.